And we're back. I'm James. This is the Good Fan Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. And I'm Brent. I'm a James man. I don't even know what that means. What does a James it means man mean? I'm a man. <laughs> He's 40. Time to get out and shovel. <laughs> yeah. And then how come your mother shoveled tonight? <laughs> oh. hey, that was two hours ago. Oh, fair enough. All right. couple questions for you. First of all, who's our guest tonight? Kyle Sample. Kyle Sample is with us. How are you doing, Sample? Great, great. Welcome to the pod. I just feel glad. I just feel so happy to be back. <laughs> just, it's the first time in a long time, so this it's been like uh, two years. This yeah. is literally a, uh, a guest invited twenty minutes before we started recording uh, because Sample joined QB Club. GoGrizz.com slash QB Club. They're doing a big match this week. Uh, second week in a row, they've gotten an uh, anonymous donor to match. Yeah. Up to. I think they said up to $25,000 last week. I thought it was 10000 this week. But either way, a lot of money raising. So if you haven't joined QB Club and you're thinking about it for next year, if you join now, your dues count for next year. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So you are We're joined set. for now Heck through yeah. next year. Also, just off one meeting, totally worth the money. I don't care. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. We'll get, we'll, get a, we'll get the sample in a second. But hey, James, we got some questions for you, right? Uh. Um. Why don't you tell your listeners, because I do think there's more than just my mother at this point who listens to only your part and then turns it off. Why don't you tell them about your weekend? I went to the Grizz game. I had basketball games. You didn't need to mention that. I already knew. (laughs) I I gave a hand signal for shooting a hoop, and he's annoyed with me. Um, Did you score? Yeah. Got some buckets? Did you dunk mm-hmm. on a kid and like step over him? And no. Messed the, around and got a triple the double? The feet were 10 feet. <laughs> they were 10 feet? Mm-hmm. How many games did you have? Three. And what wow. did you guys do? Two and one. Two and one. Okay. Nice. nice. Well, how old were the kids you lost to? Fourth graders. And what grade are you? Third grade. All right. Well, that's cheating. So you're 2 and 0 oh in class. Mm-hmm. So your FBS Fair point. All right. Nice well. work, yeah. dude. We'll take it. Um, what was the best part of the Grizz game on Friday night? That we won and whipped their butts in the second yeah, half. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> uh, Learning man. the booty talk from him. It is, like, seriously. Yeah, I, I was going to be mad. If, <laughs> like, someday there's going to be somebody from Child Protective Services who's going to show up at my door and be like, we were sitting kitty corner from you at the Grizz game, and <laughs> we're not sure. <laughs> There's that image of that. I think it's a young soccer fan just flipping the bird to the team. Yes. <laughs> James is going to go viral. I had a, um, one of my friends that I grew up with. Uh, she said she was at the game. She commented on my Facebook or Stacy's Facebook. She's like, whenever I'm at the game, I always look for Mike's reaction to bad calls to know if they're bad calls. or. <laughs> James, how many new words do you think you've learned from your dad at football games this year? Don't say them out loud. Yeah, don't say them. Just yeah. how many? 15 number. F word, S-H word. Whoa. 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 Now he's just being right. dramatic. News, now you're now he's creative. Just being dramatic. You're creative with your swear words. Oh. That's good to know. Well, 15 oh. versions of it. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. Wow. I don't believe it for a second. So, James, we have some questions for you on Egress as well, too. Or, Mike, did you have any other? Nope, go for okay. it. So, uh, what do we have? Oh. Okay. We're, we're having a conversation. Sidebar. Nope. Dad says no. Okay, James, you ready? Mm-hmm. Other than your dad, who is your favorite on the person that's been on the Grizz fan pod? It can be a guest that we've had in the past. 
Also, do you have any funny stories about the recording of the pod that you want to share? So the question is, who's your favorite person on the Grizz Fan Pod? Besides your dad. Brent or Luke or, or any guests. of our guests. Or Kyle. Kyle's well, Kyle could be one of them. <laughs> but, I mean, really, I think what they're getting at is Brent or Luke. <laughs> I'll pay you if you say my name, James. <laughs> this is really tough because he how really much? likes both of you. <laughs> how much? I, how about this? James, I'll who is you, your favorite guest? I'll tell you what. If you, need, if you were to be adopted by one of us, <laughs> I know your answer would be me, but it should be Brent. Yeah. He's a better dad. Yeah. I was gonna say, going to say, we could hold off on the answer to this question and see what packages these guys come up with to earn your vote. <laughs> there you go. Christmas is around the corner. Yeah. James, any funny stories from watching the pod being recorded that you'd like to share? Not really. No, no. Okay. Now, James, uh, Everett Grizz was wondering if your dad has any silly or ridiculous sayings that he says over and over that drives you crazy. I've got a bunch as a dad, but I don't know which ones drive my daughters crazy. I don't really know. It's probably no. eat your dinner. Eat your dinner. Gosh. These are the battles currently. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, there you go. That's the yeah. two we have. He's going to so. come up with answers to He'll these come later. Up. All right, so we'll, we'll, have, we will, we'll have to tweet them out or something. <laughs> we'll, we'll put them out there. Um I feel like there's one more question for you, but I can't think of what it is now. So, Do we have any... Uh, hang on. Do we get any DMs on Twitter about it? Who who knows, right? <sighs> who... Uh, yeah. um, while, while we're looking at that, buddy, we've got to get your picks for this weekend. So we've got the Bobcats traveling to Texas to take on number one Sam Houston State. Wait, Sam Houston State's in Texas? Yep. Yeah. Oh, the Sam Houston State. I Sam Houston State. All right. Um, South Dakota State is going to – where is – who is South Dakota? Villanova. 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 SDSU. SDSU. All right. Um, ETSU. E- East Tennessee State University is going North Dakota State. <laughs> NDSU. And then, of course, we've got the Grizz traveling across the country to Harrisonburg, Virginia, to take on James Madison University. I did not know where James Madison or Sam Houston State were. Well, now you do. You learn most of your good stuff from us at football anyway. You learn a lot of, a lot of geography through sports. Yeah. What about that Vikings moment? Yeah. Who do you think is going to win the Grizz game this weekend? Grizz. All right. Okay. What's the score going to be? Long pause. You want to think about it and come back to us? Yep. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Bubba. Thanks, James. Mm-hmm. Thanks, James. Yeah. Keep up the good work and hoops. See you, buddy. All right. So, uh, quite literally, we had talked about, you know, should we have a guest or not? We've had a lot of guests in a row, and sometimes it's nice to decompress and just have the three of us. But then I decided to invite Sample last second. So here we are. That's the thing about Sample. He's always pod ready. Yeah. This, <laughs> this is not how I thought my night was going to be going. I should be at home preparing Quite. for a meeting tomorrow morning. But when you get the Grizz fan pod invite, you know, you yeah, shut down the rest of your life. I mean, basically, you, you shut it, it down. his only consideration was, I, I guess I need to tell my girlfriend I'm busy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's understanding. She's awesome. She knows about the Grizz fan pod. And she said, you go do that. Excellent. I'm supportive.
We'll allow it. So, guys, holy cow. That was a hell of a game. That was so great. I mean, I don't even know where to start. I don't know whether to start about, like, the experience of the game or the actual on-field, you know, like, breakdown of what happened. But I'll I'll tell you what. I don't know that my body can handle another home game. (laughs) I feel the same. I was a little, like, obviously I want the home game, right? But I had a tough Saturday. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Same here. I've had a tough, like, two weeks. Like, I needed a week to get over the cat game, and then I was... I was kind of hoping for an extra day, but to have like a Friday night night game, man, the electricity, just like walking to the stadium and like being outside the tailgates for like an hour before trying to shove my way into the stadium, man, the electric, it's just so different. Like it's hard to like explain how different a night playoff game is than like a noon kickoff game during the regular season. It's just crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like it's wild. Do you think of the run of these two games with just the like the intensity and the energy and the crowd and the outcomes. Um, it's it's hard to, I mean, maybe like the 09 playoff run with just the, how memorable and how energetic the games were. I think that the South Dakota state comeback and the app state win were definitely much more memorable, long lasting games. But in terms of just like the experience and the crowd and the excitement and just how you felt afterwards, it's got to be right up there. Just those, I mean, the back-to-back weeks of these two games, it's been a long time since I experienced that type of energy twice in such a short realm yeah. in that stadium. Long well, time. The, the nerves, too, of both those games, because, like, in the MSU game, you know, we're up, uh, like, 16-3, to 3, I think it is what it was, and then they tried to run that fake field goal. Like, at that point, I'm still very nervous. That oh, so anything true. could happen, yeah. that they could come back, and it would be, like, uh, 2000... What was it? Seventeen? Yeah. Was it two thousand seventeen when yep, they yep. came back from halftime? Uh, eighteen. 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 So I'm worried that that's going to happen. Oh yeah. And then the the fake field goal happens, and it's like boom, it's over. And then this Eastern game was kind of the same way, but a, a little bit different in the sense that like we're down, and and the things that we are doing are like exactly the things we need to do to lose that game. Yeah. And then boom, we get a blocked field goal or a blocked punt go down and score and then it's like a brand new game and it's like man the game's just the, the energy that like ran through the area that I was sitting in in both of those moments yeah like yeah. I haven't so, felt that in such a long time so you know we talked after the cat game about kind of like the feelings in the stadium after after um, the fake field goal fumble whatever you want and then uh, you know a couple of the moments in that game in a different way, I don't know that I've ever experienced anything in that stadium quite like those back-to-back targeting reviews. Yeah. That then, like, the place just went nuts, especially on the second one because it was like, oh my god, like these guys can't, these refs can't handle us. They don't understand. You know, the place just went crazy, and um, that to me, you know, a lot of people point to that as like a shifting point, and I believe it because I think that the Grizz defense kind of realize before then it's like we, we make the adjustments and we keep hitting them and and you know they their show they put up numbers but i they, i don't think they're very tough no and they no, I mean, they, they kind of like exerted their will like right there right like they kind of put their the defense's personality on that game and then like the crowd too like j- jumped up at that moment too and they were like hey we're part of this yeah. and like man from there on out it was just a buzzsaw and i liked how the players were clearly vibing off the fans. They were like after the calls a review or like you know overturned or whatever. They're 
um, getting the fans into it. And it's like, guys, we got this. We know. It, I felt like that's what they were telling us. They were like, we know we have this in hand. Let's we get, can do let's what get we rowdy. Want. Did, yep. you guys, did you guys notice like during those, though, like the ref has still got the headset on? But the players and he hasn't like run yeah. over, but the players like started celebrating. Yeah. And like the fans started getting loud. So the, it was ref, like, the refs talk, they have the microphones, they talk to each other. So the guy standing next to Must have heard the it. headset, and they talk it in, and then the, 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 um, the ref standing next to each of the head coaches tell them before the announcement. Okay. I had, I thought it was like, I was, I was like, do we have like an inside guy here? <laughs> so what is the way it works is they do the whole thing <laughs> and they make the decision and then, you know, they tell the other ref or whatever. And then they confirm where's the ball, what's the down, what's the distance. And then they that get makes off. sense. Yeah. yeah. I liked it that we had a spy, but I'll, I'll take that also. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a good time to sidebar really quick about the refs. They uh, were out of their depth. Oh yeah. my God. I was bad. It was bad. It was really bad. Like you, you could tell they had never been in any environment anywhere near that. Yeah. Ohio Valley Conference refs. Bunch of small school games. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me if the biggest game they had refed was this in one? terms of um, you know, fans and intensity was would maybe be a Midwest like four A high school championship. <laughs> and then they worked their way into the FCS and refed in front of three thousand people or something. And got sent to Missoula, Montana, <laughs> to the fucking show, <laughs> and a night game to a night game, and didn't know what to do. I think they were completely out of control, or they had no control yeah. of and the it, game. It's interesting because it's like obviously you know it's like the NCAA FCS championship champions committee or whatever the hell they call it goes to great lengths. You know all this is even, and yeah. all these conferences are equal, and they all get auto bids and all the refs and stuff. And it's like. That's fine. Like I'm all for not having refs from the game that you're in, you know, from the co- either conference and yada yada yada. But it's like I think they need to factor some of that in. Like they can't pretend that places like NDSU or UM or James Madison or even Montana State, you know, with larger crowds, are the same thing. And I think right. that they need to be cognizant of what crews they're sending there because those guys had no clue. And the thing that was interesting to me and rewatching the TV guys didn't catch it at all. But at one point the ref stopped the game and came over and talked to like the replay guy for a second and then talked to one of the UM security people on the side. And then he made an announcement or Peter Christian made an announcement about stop whistling. Stop stop if there's a whistle in the sands, the home team will get penalized. And then you heard all this whistling because all the fans started whistling. What point during the game was that? Because I don't Sometime recall. Sometime in the second half, I think. It had to be second half, yeah. right? And I was just thinking, like, there's no whistle. Like, these guys just have never done anything like this. <laughs> ever. They're like, like, like a psychosis is going on. Yeah. They're like, what is this noise? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the roughing the kicker or the punter. Was the maybe one of the worst calls I've that ever was seen in my life. Terrible. Not only did Chase get blocked into him, but he really didn't touch him even after he got blocked into him. Like the guy landed on his own. I, I can't believe it got called. And to be roughing, much less. It's like, yeah. what are you looking at? Yeah, the, the roughing call, right? Like that's just the next level of incompetence. Like if you're not sure there was some contact, he was blocked a little bit, you know, you throw the five yarder. Yeah. But the 15 yard. First down to jump to the personal foul is just like, whoa, unreal. What, at least safeguard against yourself, right? Like just yeah, maybe you're running into the kicker. Yeah. Worst case, but then you see it on replay and you just shoved right into it, right. which is just a textbook 
You don't throw the flag on that. Yeah. And then maybe the most hilarious stat for for officiating is the oh, the pass attempts. Eighty one. Eighty one pass attempts, zero holding calls. When you have a guy on ESPN who's so clearly Everybody. not even prepared for the game. Like if you listen to it on ESPN and the, the mistakes this guy made, but then he's like watching the game in the second half and he's like he's like, Oh, there's a hold. There's another hold. And every yeah. every like, oh, hold, they could call hold there. Like yeah. it was like and not to mention like so eighty pass plays, no holding, but there was holding on a lot of the run plays the barriers yeah. running outside too. I mean, it was brutal. It's hilarious. And not just like we're not just talking about like you could call holding on every play. Like there's somewhere their their linemen were literally like hugging our guys. Yeah, and if like you're gonna let them play, let them play. That's fine. But like, you know, there's holding. Like, and some of these are so egregious. Like you said, they're hugging them. Like they're literally like tackling them, tackling them yeah. into the ground. It's like, guys, that's not letting them play. No. <laughs> that's way beyond letting them play. So who who was uh, the photographer that uh, I think Coulter on Hempstead, Skyline Blake Blake Hempstead had a lot of great photos on his Instagram account, and there's one where it's like. Gubrud's arms are in the air, and a guy, uh, Eastern O lineman, has the back of his jersey and is being stretched all the way out. And it's like this great silhouette photo where I think you see Barrier with Gub like getting spun and the guy pulling the back of him. And of course, we know there was no holding penalties called right. in that game. I mean, it was it was <laughs> oh, the, wild. the photos Blake got that uh, showed oh, the confidence of the refs. Amazing. Like Colter said that he that Blake sent him a folder of photos <laughs> of holding just holding calls. And then he got the photo of Jones's touchdown at the end. Oh, we shared that clearly against the ground, like pinned it to ball the ground, yeah. pushed against the ground. The like, only thing I can think on that one, and this is where I wish that if plays stop. are reviewed, they have the head ref at least issued a statement, a statement afterwards, kind of saying like what we looked at when we reviewed mm-hmm. it, because that'd be helpful on the targeting calls too. I, the only thing I can think of is he took two steps, maybe, but I think they were in the motion of him getting hit and not having it caught. Like I. I mean, they were just out of their element. I mean, he clearly trapped that ball. Like I saw it from. I'm I'm sitting in the north end zone, so I'm looking at him. Like I thought it was a catch, but like you see the photo, and like the ball is like forced into the ground. Like <laughs> like Jones' so Jones's fingerprint it. on the on the ball. Like I was like, oh my god, that guy could be a rock climber. Like he's got some strong <laughs> fingers. He's just like depressing the ball into the ground. Like those those refs are terrible. I wonder because I, coaches I get think it descend in two plays. I wonder how they decide which two to send in. Oh my god! Or if they're just like, oh man, let's zero plays to send in. Probably yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah, I I have a feeling they. I don't know. I don't think this coaching staff sends anything in. I don't think they care. I mean, they care, but also th- you're sending into who the the NCAA or the Ohio Valley at this point. Oh, yeah, that probably the, the championship committee. Yeah, right? who yeah. championship committee? Is that how it works? Okay. Do about yeah, it. they're going to be like, sorry, guys. Oh, okay. Did you win? Don't you bring won? Them. All right, yeah. let's move on then. Hey, don't bring those guys <laughs> next year. Yeah. Hey, we're FCS refs, all right? And we're not the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, but moving beyond the officiating, which had its frustrations. I mean, in spite of all that, um, we still kicked their ass. And that was like the fun thing about the game was, you know, it opens – with a flowers end around. Fly sweep. Which was awesome. Yeah. Scoring on the first drive is a pretty fun feeling. Yeah, if we yeah. could do more <laughs> of that. that is awesome. <laughs> Two games in a row we've done. Yeah, in a row. Like, <laughs> woo. Like, last time it was the second play. This time it was the third. I mean, I guess we'll allow it. Yeah, and then Lemu Jones comes out, gets big play, and then boom, they're in the end zone. Um, but, I mean, it was kind of funny because, like, 
I mean, you guys all got the text from me. When it was twenty one ten, I was I was getting nervous because I me too. I was, was complaining about it was three big plays. It was deep shot. There was two deep shot touchdowns and a broken play run. And when we went to kick the field goal, this is kind of funny too. Uh, so I was talking to people about this with the playoffs as a season ticket holder. You know, tickets come up for sale, but everybody around me except one guy was the same people. It was all my usual seat neighbors. And so people are used to sitting next to me, and you see me on Twitter during a Packer game. I, I don't badmouth people, but I get like I'm a nervous fan in the stands. And there was something, I think it was before we kicked the field goal to make it 21-10, and there was something, it was a third down play, and like Roberts and the Kim were mixed up, and they were crossing, and, and I'm sitting here talking, I was like, Oh my God, Roberts doesn't know where he's supposed to be. And Cam's on the wrong side of the field and the clock is ticking and Cam isn't calling a timeout. What are we doing? We should just kick field goal. Like, I'm just being a crazy nervous myself. And this guy, the one guy that's not like a usual, turns around and he goes, Are you a Grizz fan? And I go, What? I was like, Yeah. And he's like, You better fucking act like it. And I was like, <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> my, my wife's pulling on my arm. And I was like, what this guy say to me? And then we don't get the first down. We kick the field goal. And then the guy turns. And the, like, the, the other person in front of him grabs the guy by the arm. He's like, dad, dad. He's been here for a long time. That's, and I was like, and then the guy turned around and apologized. We became good friends during the game. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> because the game went really well. But I was just You're like, listening oh to the pod. God. That's who you're yeah. sitting with. <laughs> that's amazing. It was crazy. That's thing. incredible. I mean, act like it. It's like, who the hell are you? Like, you've never sat here before. <laughs> uh, but 21-10, you know, and then, but I think, and like, that hit on Lima Jones, like that. Suddenly it was like I think it was the wake up defense needed because it looked like the two de- the all three of the first touchdowns were were broken plays defensive errors. Mm-hmm. Um, screw up in coverage on the first. Uh, you know we love Ford, but he bites on the double moves, and it wasn't really a double move, but he was running a little slow and got let the guy past him, and then the run play was just got through the heavy blitz and had one guy to beat, and it was, got around him and he was gone. But after that, the amount of – it was suddenly like the defense pops Lima Jones and he can't get up and his shoulder's hurt and they're all standing over and talking. And Robbie knocks down the running back. No one's getting ejected. It was a different game at that point. Yeah. And from there, it was – it just turned into so much fun. Yeah, I thought that – I thought the targeting calls were actually huge because they actually did slow the game down for a minute. Because, like, to that point, like you said, they were scoring on big plays. Yeah. Uh, our offense got off the field fast on the first drive because we scored quickly. Then we on the next drive, I think we got one first down mm-hmm. and then nothing after that. And then the next one was a three and out. And I was like, crap, our defense is on the field a lot, just like it was and in the last game. Plays already. Yeah. Right. And I was like, we're not sustaining drives. We're not getting off the field on defense. Like they're hitting big they're hitting big plays. Like these are the these are the things that are, that are how gonna, we lose. That are gonna this allow Eastern to win this yeah. game. Yeah. And like to that point the game is moving so fast, and I was like when they have those timeouts, my dad and everybody around me are freaking out. You know, like, how dare they call these targeting calls? They want the Grizz to lose. They're, they're in it for us. And I was, like, I was like, guys, I think this is actually a good thing. Yeah. Because it stopped the game. It gave our defense some time to, like, breathe. And then, I mean, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But, like, after that, you're right. Like, it was just a totally different game. But, like, the energy from the defensive unit, especially when um, Gavin's uh, targeting was, you know, removed – I mean, they were like, they were pumped up. They were yelling at the crowd. Um, they were, 
standing over Lima Jones quite a bit yeah. and reminding him of the hit <laughs> he just took. They're definitely saying a few things. Yeah. <laughs> um, it just totally changed the game because then, because the Merrick gets hit, they don't pick up a first down. Um, actually, uh, an interesting thing that some of us observed this evening, if you recall, there was a third down pass. It was a deep shot. And if Jones had come back in, yep. and Robertson was going to absolutely destroy He's gonna the hit him world. again. Drill him. Um, if you watch it on any replay, Lima Jones is not looking at the pass. He doesn't, he doesn't want anything. He doesn't want to be there. He is done. Yeah. That ball's in the air. He doesn't care. He's, he's not even looking back at the thing. All he sees is number two coming at him, and I don't want any part of this. We block the punt, score. Right? Don't it was that block the punt, then and score then, like two yep. plays later. Score yeah. a few Bergen plays later. Scores yeah, on that's the option. option to yeah. Bergen. And then Grizzer, like, we're back in business. Oh, it was, 40, it was forty to seven after that. Yeah. And so then we just get on a roll. And so that like pivotal moment in the game. It was so great. Yeah. Um pull up that that Twitter thread, Mike, do you have it? About the Jace Lewis. The Jace Lewis block punt oh touchdown. Yeah, this it. is a great time for this story. <laughs> Now that Jace Lewis touched uh, non-touch, but picked up was in the third when Barrier was going to pitch the ball where he thought he had a running where he had a running back and he yeah. threw it Sorry, to his I, tackle. I yeah. punt, no, no, no. That's... But no, the block punt was uh, who's forty-four? Terrell. Terrell or Terrell, I think is how you say yeah. his name. And then Jan Caro recovers it. Yeah, yeah. So right, right. They showed they showed like uh, on a replay how many Missoula guys. We're all in there, and it's almost exclusively Missoula guys. Like Jackson Lee's from Phillipsburg, but played at Sentinel. Yeah. The rest of them, I mean, Terrell's a Missoula guy. Jan Carroll's a Missoula guy. There's like three others that are right there, all Missoula guys just, on that. It's, it's cool like, to see Montana pretty, kids. It's pretty cool. very unique. Yeah. It's a lot of Missoula kids. Yeah. And especially to like a like a aspect of the team that is like uh, so important to like I think who this team is. Like special teams have been huge throughout the entire season. Yeah. And like to see like such local kids like that's that's pretty sweet that's to awesome. see them doing that so um the story this is great this is from one of our followers on twitter josh sampson and he he said story on 37's fumble recovery that's too good not to share it's lengthy i was sitting a few rows in front of what i would assume were some of jace's childhood friends early on i overheard there was apparently an ongoing bet for three years running that if Lou scored on a pick six, then one of them had to streak across the field. Well, it happened almost. (laughs) The play developed slowly enough for all of us to get insanely rowdy while the scoop and run started to take place. I turned up to look at the guys and immediately knew which one was destined for glory. His eyes were so wide open with pure shock, you could tell he was probably thinking, oh my God, I actually have to do this. (laughs) Dude is making his way to the stairs, shirt almost off, and of course the whole section was rocking. As if the play wasn't enough fireworks already. Obviously, Lou gets tackled short of the goal line, but it was a moment for the ages. Poor guy took a seat after the play ended and kind of took a breath as if to say, I can't believe I almost had to do that. It was hilarious. <laughs> to be part of it all, if those friends of 37 listen to the pod, please reveal yourselves. Your story almost went down in Grizz football history forever. Instead, I'm sure it's just one of the many wonderful drunken debauchery moments captured in Wagriz. Oh, that is, uh, that is awesome. That <laughs> I is hope so that incredible. it's really as good as he tells me. Imagine that. being that guy and you see Lewis and you're like, oh, oh he's, no. at the, he's at the 10, he's at the 6, and then some guy gets him from the feet and you're like, oh. 
It's cold out here, guys. <laughs> I just love it. And he's like, he's starting to take off his shirt. Like he's going. <laughs> I wonder how. I wonder how that guy became the guy in the family. Yeah, group, like in the group what? that had to be like, the guy to do it. it. That would be so great to know. I mean, someone just had to like say, "They're like, oh man, if Jace ever scores a touchdown, I'll take my shirt off and run across the field." And they'd be like, "All right, dude, I got you." Like, you're in and now. That's remind every single game. That might seem like a good bet if you're like, "Oh yeah, our buddy Jace got." He's going to go play for the Grizz, and then you make this promise, you know, like five, six years ago, and then he turns in to Jace Lewis, and you're like, oh my God, there's a chance this guy takes him to the house. It's like, oh God, Jace got the 37. I got to get in the gym. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to be naked in front of 24,000 people. This is, gonna, this is not going to go well for me. <laughs> Oh, Oh, that's that's unbelievable. Um, (laughs) So we talked about the atmosphere, talked about the game a little bit, but a lot of things stood out to me, and I have some observations on the offense we'll get into, but one of the things I just cannot understand is how many times they threw deep on third and short or fourth and short. They as in Eastern? Eastern. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like... What's their identity? I mean, it's and it kind of goes to the point I tried to make to to our friend Kyler, who does the Eagles Power Hour, and and some of the guys in the Big Sky Podcast Network who can't objectively listen or, or evaluate the Grizz. Um, which I some wonder, I wonder if I wonder if they all voted Montana number one in their power poll this week. Or, <laughs> uh, but uh, um, I kind of said I was surprised watching Barry in person because this is the first time I've seen him in person because we Brent were gone, weren't we in? I wasn't gone. No, no then we I'm thinking in, of a different Eastern game. Were we in San Francisco for the Realtor Convention? Yeah. Was that that weekend? I could be mixing things up. Anyway. Let me check. Um, not relevant. I was surprised at how much their offense is predicated on Barrier staying alive and throwing the ball downfield. And it's Oof. like, obviously, I know that that's like his game, but they don't have anything else. Like very little sh- short, slow developing routes. Even like on the on the comebacks where they were getting first downs, throwing it out. Like he broke free and made it happen with his feet, and the receivers know to come back. But they don't seem to run an offense outside of like ch- chuck it up and and see what happens. And I think that that really was obvious when we took their run game away because we destroyed it. Yeah. Like you take away their one big run because they only had like seventy four yards for the whole game. And you take out the one run for a touchdown that was like fifty. I mean, they could not run the ball, mm. and it just it it surprised me. Like, no wonder they threw the ball eighty times because they couldn't do anything else. Yeah, yeah. Dennis Merritt had a fifty-seven yard rushing touchdown, and Eastern finished with seventy-eight rushing yards total, twenty-one yards beyond that. I mean, think with all those holding calls, they could have got at least like a hundred. <laughs> Would have tried maybe, some maybe? more running. Yeah. yeah. Jeez, they're they're attributed with 125 gain, but 47 lost. So, um, right, because in Cause Barry college, a- we sacked him. Well, but a three sacks for 18 yards lost, so not entirely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there were a lot of times too where he would like throw it, and I was like, man, this guy is little as it is, but sometimes he looks like a little kid throwing the ball. Like it's kind of weird drawing. Yeah, motion, right. There was that one where they went on fourth down early in the game, and he threw it to the sideline. And the receiver just got hammered by how can somebody else like right along the sideline, or maybe it's a third down, and then they punted or something. But um, 
the way he threw it, he like put his whole body into it. Like yeah. it's like he yeah. let off his front foot and like jumped off his front foot and his like throwing motion was like a kid's. But I mean, he's obviously super good, so like I I can't cr- criticize him. But I'm like, dude, you sometimes look like a five year old when you're just putting everything into a throw that you got. But then it's like you know that there's that touchdown pass where he threw it like 65 yards in the air. Yeah. yeah. I, and he just draw, He just throws it straight up in the yeah, air too. Yeah. Like just hangs there. Yeah, I mean it's it's freak talent. Yeah, but there was another one right where he had a receiver going into the north end zone where he just put it ten yards in front of the kid, no chance. And then like Eastern's problems that they've had all year, they Lemu Jones dropped one surefire touchdown, I think in the third. Mm-hmm. I think it was Boston or somebody else dropped another. But that's just I mean Eastern's receivers. They're on at least one of those drives, they did end up scoring a touchdown, so we'll call it. Yeah, yeah, that's and, true. And Barry absolutely airmailed Limu Jones in the second quarter. Yeah. Do you remember mm-hmm. he, he stepped up in the pocket, looked like he was going to run? And, right. Yep. Like, right in front of you, Mike, I think. Yeah. It's definitely kind of a more of a gift than a curse, but sometimes. I mean, like, that pitch fumble that Jace picked up. I don't know what the hell he was thinking there. No, because it's and like then, he could see that the only guy back there was a lineman. Like, yeah. eat it and lived for another day. What? What's the best that could have happened yeah. with that lineman? Like, he's it not getting the first down. It, it hits like, him, and then it's a yeah. illegal receiver. <laughs> like, and I guess that's the down, best like, Just take the sack, yeah. yeah. And then the pick six was just like, I mean, I know it's desperation time, but you just scored a touchdown. You'd, you'd gotten the ball back after a bit, but it was terrible throw. Terrible throw into double coverage, too. So, I mean, it was uh, – he makes those type of mistakes too. Well, as the game got like drugged further on, <clears throat> I me- I heard Bobby mention he's like ah they just ran out of time they weren't gonna catch up. Yeah, we played quarters. Yeah, and uh, said like whatever throw it underneath and they like Mike they won't he yeah. didn't. Yep. So so and and you know eventually they kind of adjusted to it, but he'd still be running around but he just couldn't find anything deep so then he would do those comebacks, but at that point in the game like. The Grizz were perfectly content letting them get shallow yards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And just keep the clock running. Well, because that was, they got the ball back down, what, three scores, mm-hmm. give or take, with eight minutes to go. And suddenly, unlike the first time we played, the Grizz defense was like, we're going we're gonna to send three or four with an occasional blitz and then play quarters. We're going to make you earn everything. And Eastern had a hell of a time with it. And their drives would take three or four minutes. It's mm-hmm. just like, out of time. Mm-hmm. It, it was – It was. there was a few things, especially in that fourth quarter, that really surprised me. The defense backed off on the aggressive stance, which actually was incredibly smart. And the bigger thing that surprised me was that touchdown, the second touchdown to a cam with eight minutes to go. Yeah. Because we'd just gotten a first down. We're up at that point. I can't remember what the point total was at that point. I should pull the box. That back. got us to 50, didn't it? Like, yeah, that got us to fifty. Yeah, so we were we were up uh, forty four twenty eight, and we got eight minutes to go. And I was just saying to the people around me, I was like, "They're not going to throw this ball at all." Bobby Houck football. It's going to be three yards, three yards, three yards, and then maybe we're going to kick field goal. Like we're going to milk this clock. We're going to make it forty seven, but they're going to have four minutes to go. And what do they do? They just go for the jugular and throw a throw, what was the it was a thirty yard pass to Sammy in the corner like just it was it was so perfect. out of character it was perfect it, it, it just s- completely surprised me Sammy yeah. you know was tough and, and held on to rec- it and tied, tied the record the, yep. yep well I like the play calling the whole game 
Um, they went for the early in the or, nah, it was probably mid second quarter when I thought they were up thirteen ten. Mm-hmm. I thought that they would run the ball. There might have been like eight minutes left, mm-hmm. and they threw the ball three times. And it resulted in a punt. Yeah. But they it was like they recognized. like They're like, we have to score points to win this game. They're going to expect us to run. And we, we dropped back three times. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, our I, offense is different. It's been funny because I think, especially in October and early November, on this pod with our fan questions being like, why don't they do this? And why don't they do that? And why... Why is everything so boring? Why is every first down play a two-yard run up the middle? And then, like, I think both the cat game and this game, it was, suddenly it was, like, yeah, all open and it's, so much. I mean, yeah. It's almost, like, frustrating as a fan to think. I mean, they had to know. Like, you you're, you start running flowers on these, on these fly sweeps, right? Yeah. You know he's good with the ball in his hands. Like, you didn't just discover that in uh, mid-November this year, right? Hey, this kid right, he's, can run. He's got he's FCS all-time leader in kick returns, right? So, like, you know if you get the ball in his hands. He was an option quarterback in high school. Like, you know he can do things. It's almost very frustrating. There's a nugget I didn't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was a, he was a quarterback in high school. Um, to wait all season for it. And you're just like, yes, guys, you especially know, you when know we you were struggling so much with Brown. Yeah. Like, it was just like. And you know it's going to work. And I know they did do a couple, but it was like they didn't run them. But it was like, it just, it's interesting. In the, actually, I will tell you the other thing I thought on a Kemp's second touchdown was why didn't we try this route more during the year? Because a Kem one-on-one with people, like. Oh. You're going to win 50%. He's going to win minimum, 50%, right? especially when we're struggling to score points. And, yeah. and Brown's got a can of an arm. Like, I don't know why we didn't try that more. <laughs> yeah. And you're, like, wondering, like, because you hear it so there often. There are probably plenty of rational like, reasons. We don't want to put it on film. We don't want people to see this. But my thing is, like, especially I mean, with this coaching staff and, like, the ethos of this team is, like, you guys are, like, the we're going to show up and we're just going to defeat you kind of attitude, right? right? Right. So, like, if you know you can do this, what do you care if you put it on film in week two? Like, just go do what you can do and make the other team stop you. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. don't get cute around this. And I wonder if that's what they did. I have no idea. But I kind of sometimes think it is because look how well it's worked when they started doing it. <laughs> like, when they put Bergen out, when they decided to motion him out of the backfield. Huh. That guy was a receiver in high school. <laughs> he created some serious mismatches. He's pretty damn good at it, too. I don't know. But I they thought, did it. I thought this week, obviously, was the best offensive effort the Grizz have had all all season. They, they, oh, finished. Yeah. they finished. They finished. But I thought a lot of it had to do with what I am interpreting as a, like a symbiosis between the offensive line and how Cam moves in the pocket. They also they shifted the line quite a bit and relied on the running back mm-hmm. to pick up the defensive end or the or the linebacker and the the running backs blocked really really well mm-hmm. even Xavier Harris who's a small human like I'm not just <laughs> saying a small football player he's a small human he stepped up and had a game blocking um so they were able to hold in 6 to 7 to create a nice pocket and I I felt Cam Humphrey moved with the protection in a way that I hadn't seen him all year and it bought him an extra second to make good decisions with the with the ball, and you know, three touchdowns, zero picks, 160 yards. Um, 
11 of 23. I mean, he played the game that needed to be played that night. Not sexy stats, but zero touchdowns or zero picks. Turnovers. Yeah. No turnovers. I didn't really talk about I would have thought he was like 17 or 21. I know. I was game. actually surprised yeah. to see how little passing guards we had yeah. and that he was such a low percentage because he seemed to do a lot better. Yeah. But there were still some, there was a series where I was like, oh, God. And I explained to, um, the young guys that sit a couple seats down from us that if you ever play quarterback and someone's running a, 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 a slant across the middle, you need to lead them <laughs> front. Um, easier said that, than done. Why would you go do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I don't, a lot of QBs in the big sky don't do that, so I, I don't know. Um, but it, it was interesting. But credit to them. You know, they finished, like we talked about it last week. They, six touchdowns. Offense yeah. scored six, six touchdowns. touchdowns. They scored one against... The Cats, they scored one against NAU. Turns out when you get Five some short fields. Colorado, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Some short fields. You can just kind of. helps. This Once reminds me, Eastern Washington should probably fire their special teams coordinator. They don't have they one. They don't have one. Oh, that's right. They don't have one. <laughs> he, he probably, like, shut the lights off in a room too early and he got fired. <laughs> you know, and one thing, like. Oh, my God. We talk about QB Club and we really, you know, we really don't go into much of what Coach Hawk talks about because, you know, he. he so it says what stays in the room and yada, yada, yada. But he did point one thing out about Eastern that I think is okay to share, and it surprised me. On the punt block, Eastern lined up in a different um, punt formation, and Sample's nodding his head, so you know he pays attention to this stuff. And He, t- he talked about it in the post-game press this. conference yeah. also. So. Yeah, so we're good. And it's like he's, his point was kind of like, why you would do that, I have no idea. Like, it wasn't broken, but why would you do that? And they clearly, I mean, they – they had no idea. They just let Terrell in, Terrell in, and he... Well, and it was clear they were clearly not drilled on it either because they tried it the... I think they tried it twice. And the first time the Grizz realized it, and then they were like, all right, this is what this is what we're going to do the next time. They, yeah, they thought it was a... They could be they, a fake the first yeah, time. Yeah, So they played coverage, and then right. they lined up the second time. And then Eastern was like, oh, we got a pump blocked. Let's go right back to what we did before. Like, yeah. you're clearly not, like, drilled on what... It was if you just quickly abandoned it like that. I mean, granted, it didn't work, but it's like you just scrapped it. Yeah. I, I realize Eastern Washington's you know football budget, like their financial situation in their athletics department was a very public this last year in the pandemic. Not our problem. It's grim. But you can totally understand why teams pay somebody to yeah. work with special teams after watching like what happened in that game. Yeah, you take it for granted so much, and then you have a coach who like specializes in it, and you're like, man, this can just blow up a game because you had Bergen's punt returns. You ha- you always have the threat of a kick return, no matter who it is. You block have the blocks, punts, block kicks. Like, I mean, I even mean, Garrett Graves, yeah. like, had an yeah. amazing game returning. Yeah, he ain't a returner, but <laughs> if you can set up the blocks, another quarterback in high school, another high school quarterback. <laughs> there we go. Like they had their their punter make like four tackles that game and that's the only <laughs> guy not accounted for in the block scheme. Yep, it's right. like that's everyone else the has the man gotta be up. <laughs> and the returner's got to be but like if your dudes are are trained, right, and coached up yep. with good enough precision and discipline, like special teams changes the game yeah. and a guy like Garrett Graves who's not a returner by nature or nurture, can, like, figure it out. Are we ever going to see Malik Flowers return a kick again? Do you think? Will he ever get, yeah. will he ever get another one? I Next think year. that they will, over the offseason, they will figure out some more creative things. I hope so. Um, 
I just think that some of that stuff's hard to do midstream, but yeah. maybe we'll see you next week. Who knows? But but the thing that helps is if teams keep kicking to Graves because they don't want to kick flowers and Graves keeps, keeps getting 30 or 40 yards. Eventually. Eventually, it's going to kind of be like... Kick it out the end zone or yeah. split it. Yeah. You know? Oh, my gosh. I have a great idea. <laughs> Did, if anyone knows an optometrist or something in town or like an ophthalmologist... Do you remember how in Major League, like, Ricky Vaughn is incredibly <laughs> wild and then they add glasses? Like, a name image likeness deal with Malik Flowers where he has trouble holding on to punts. And then it's just, like, some dorky, like, optometrist out there and he puts the Ricky Vaughn glasses on. And oh he's like, God. <laughs> oh, That's a commercial, baby. <laughs> If anyone's listening to this, head of creative at the Grizz Fan Pod, Luke, uh, has got an idea for you guys. Um, oh, man, there's so much more we could kind of go into. Um, I, I think it's interesting to point out, and it's worth talking about. I mean, the, the Eagles talked a lot of shit going into this game. Oh, and it's like you could say it's one player, but it wasn't because their athletic department embraced it. They tweeted it out. It was part of their pregame video that the NCAA makes the school play. And, you know, I was just struck by, you know, Lee Jones had a great statistical game. Yeah. But you know what? Your team lost, and you dropped at least one touchdown. I think two. I think he dropped two. So, for him after the press, you know, credit to him that he came to the press conference, because I bet that the Eastern um, SID gave him the opportunity not to, would be my guess. And he said, no, I'll go. So, credit to him for that. Um I just I can't fathom the end of your senior year, last game of your college career, you guys just lost in the playoffs. And you are saying, I I backed up my talk. It's like, great, you had a great statistical game, but you guys lost and that team was so juiced up, partly because of you talking. Yeah. And then Aaron Best is just sitting there nodding his head and agreeing with him. I'm just thinking like if you were looking for differences in the programs and then you've got all these Eastern fans talking about how not classy Montana is and all this stuff. And it's like, you don't get to do it. You don't get to build it and talk the talk and ask for it. And then when you're getting it, be upset. Yeah. Like that's not, that's just not how it works. And there was, I mean, there was a lot of interest. I mean, so Lemur Jones put a target on himself and like we talked about a little while ago, the big hit on him was like that that kind of moment that like turned the game around. He helped set that up. Um, but then I was I usually leave a couple minutes before half, but it sounds like there was like something on field and up the tunnel and where yeah. like the Eastern team wouldn't leave and the Grizz like just kind of ran through them and they followed him up the tunnel or something. Yeah, did I anybody see that? I didn't see this at all. I saw it on the replay. Um. Well, did go ahead. Look, it it looked to me like the the quarter ended with um, O'Connell wrapping up Eric Barrier. Yeah, and it was like a he got a hold of his legs and was sort of like Gator death rolling him, yeah, like to the ground. And Barrier gets the ball off and throws, and it shows like the the play hadn't ended. Like this is it's like what was he supposed to do? Release him. And I think Barrier took exception. I think he thought yeah, O'Connell was trying to like turn his ankle at the bottom of the tackle. Um, and I don't know. 
like I couldn't w- would have no idea. You can't really tell on the replay. But anyway, from that they get up and the quarter ends, and then offensive linemen and Barrier and O'Connell are all jawing at each other. And typically, like someone steps in, like and I think a referee was there, and they start going. But the like they they're just like Barrier should his back should be to O'Connell running towards the side, but he's skipping backwards, jawing stops, and him and his boys take steps like they they cover like 15 yards <laughs> towards the tunnel in the Grizz team before yeah. like the O'Connell and crew realize that oh this guy's not going back he's coming <laughs> at us and so then they're like alright let's go and they kind of meet halfway and start John again how long did it last? <sighs> 10 seconds you know 15 seconds yeah, and it also was kind of like it was like a it was bad kind of placement because it was like the 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 half happened to end right in front of where the Grizz players run into the tunnel. Okay. So, yeah, if you're familiar with like Jalen and Jacoby, Barrier definitely had a like oh, oh, hold me back moment. You know, like he was talking a lot of a lot of trash, but he was he hoping, nothing to do with it. He was hoping his offensive linemen were hold we're gonna hold him back. Yeah. Like we're gonna get in the way. <laughs> hold me back. Hold me back. <laughs> I wish I would have seen it, and I kind of like a part of me wishes like it was a little bit more, like it was almost kind of a fight, just because like how much was on the line in this game, how electric the atmosphere was, the like. There's no way around it. I don't think the rivalry between the two teams, um, what Eastern has been to what Montana has like tried to get back to, like a fight there kind of would have uh, would have been a nice little moment in the game, given all those factors. <laughs> So, I mean, we go into the halftime, 21-20. All the momentum has shifted. Oh, yeah. You know, come out of half, quickly go down, get a field goal, and you're like, all right, we got the lead. Now we, we can play our game. That was it. I mean, from that from that drive with the targeting overturns, the Grizz went on a 40-7 to run. And at halftime, Eastern had 350 yards or something like that, you know, because they, they hit a few big plays. Yeah. And people are going to look at the stats at the end of the game. A lot of Eastern fans already are and talk about how we put up 280 more yards of offense. We had over 600 yards of offense. And from the start of the third quarter until when it was 21-20, until eight minutes left in the fourth quarter when it was 50-28, to Eastern Washington put up 75 yards of offense. Yeah. So it's like we want to talk about our defense and be proud of them. They showed up when it was time to win the game, and they won the game. Because at that point, I don't care what any Eastern fan thinks. At the eight-minute mark, you're losing by 22 points. You're not coming back. And they'll talk about if we didn't throw the pick six. And it's like their timeouts were done. Like if they didn't throw the pick six, there was two minutes and seven seconds left, and they were on basically the 50. So it's like you still have to drive down score, get a two-point conversion, Get an onside kick. We're down 20. And go score again. <laughs> and we're playing quarters. We're not like yeah. Yeah. So it's playing like, our base defense. Yeah. And that's exactly right. So it's like, great. You had 175 yards after that, at that point on, when we were rotating all our cornerbacks in. You know, we were still using our starters, but we were rotating a lot more of the depth because a lot of the younger quarter, Acho So was in. And so Trevin Gradney. Gradney got some snaps at cornerback. You know, it's like, take whatever you want, but. The Grizz defense played awesome in a game that they gave up 600 yards. I mean, that's just the way I look at it. It's almost like if you looked just at the box score, you would have thought Eastern won by 35 points. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had 32 first downs to 13. They had 608 total yards to 368. 
They were 11 of 25 on third down. The Grizz were 2 of 12. But, I mean, special teams is part of the game. Yeah, yeah. That's and what it's I like mean. Like it doesn't it tell too. everything. Like, like, stats. The stats don't tell the whole no. story because those yards that, that Bergen and Graves got us over and over again matter. Yeah. You know? And they threw the ball 80 times. 80, 81. I love 81 that. Times. I love that line that Bobby said. He's <laughs> yeah. like, if you throw the ball on us 80 and we run for 200, you're never going to beat us. Never, 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 never. never, never. never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's awesome. <laughs> you know what? Some of the guys... I, th- I felt like that was a message to Southeast Louisiana. I think, he was, I think that was going to be a dare. Like, he was yeah. edging that they beat him. It might be, it might be a, a dare to uh, JMU, the way they yeah, play. Like, be, the yeah. quarterback... I mean, in that game against Southeast Louisiana, they just attacked uh, Southeast Louisiana's cornerbacks over yeah. and over and over. And it's like, hey, if you want to throw it against us... Yeah. I think the difference is we're going to get home a little bit more, but we'll talk about that. Um... Anything else on the Eastern game? I, I have some kind of questions about in general before we go into JMU or talk about the rest of the playoffs. But one, let's go ahead. one thing. One thing I'll throw out there, just um, and maybe this isn't the best thing because it's a Grizz fan pod. So, but where would you rank Barrier on the list of Eastern quarterbacks, and where would you rank him on the list of Eastern players that you are glad they can't play? He can't oh play for God. anymore. <laughs> well, he's in the tier of many Eastern guys. That I'm glad don't play anymore. Cooper Cup, Vernon Adams, you know. What about well, Gage Gabrud? Gage, Gage Gabrud. Above or I think under he's him? above Gage Gabrud, in my opinion. Okay. But I don't think he's better than Vernon Adams. I don't like, either. Like, I – Vernon Adams, to me, I, I I think he was a more complete player. And that's crazy because Barry has set every record and, you know, tied Steve McNair's touchdown record in that game and – that's why they were playing that last drive to score a touchdown at the end. But, um, <laughs> Definitely. You know, so easy to say, but I, I put them under Vernon Adams, I guess. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Definitely. Vernon Adams, I don't, I don't know that there's been a player, maybe other than Cooper Cup, that scared me as much as Vernon Adams. I remember Vernon Adams when they, they beat Montana, and, you know, I sit right by the tunnel, so we're sitting there watching, and he stays on the field for a while, and then he's running out with an Eastern staffer, and I remember <laughs> – uh, I yelled at him and got his attention. And I think that the Eastern Stafford thought I was going to say something terrible. Like, Vernon, three. And he turns around and I said, transfer. Go anywhere. <laughs> he did. Go. And so, you know, it's like, yeah, take credit for that because uh, he left. But it's like he just smiled and laughed. And I don't think the Stafford knew what to do. Was that that game where they scored like 40 in the second quarter? Or it something might like be. That? Yeah. It was just like, oh, my God, yeah. go. Yeah, and even in the even so, Barrier finished his career one and two against Montana, and in the game he won, the Grizz could have won it. Like, mm-hmm. and yeah, he had some of those plays that were really frustrating, but it's like, yeah, yeah. you never felt like yeah, Vernon yeah. had games where and I think they annihilated Vernon, the Vernon Adams on this Eastern Washington team. They might not have lost in the regular season, and they might have been a number one seed. I mean, Vernon's receivers were also Cooper Cup, Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Lebron Jones just put up. Yeah, Lemu Jones, but Lemu Jones is not Cooper Cup or, no. or Kendrick Bourne. Lemu's going to the league. He'll get an NFL shot. Do not you, if he doesn't catch he, the ball. I mean, true, he, he may get an NFL shot, but That's like Cooper Cup is the first guy ever He's in 12 be. games to have 100 receptions. Kendrick Bourne is a difference maker for the Patriots. Like, Lemu Jones might. I wish he could have been a difference maker for the 49ers. Yeah, it's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> <don't bring> <laughs> Still sore after Sunday. God. <laughs> Not talk about that. <laughs> anyway, that's the last thing. So I right about my Niners fans. All right. Yeah. So, 
Do you have any, any nope, last let's, thoughts let's on Let's go that? on to yours. Should right. we get James out to talk about that Lions game? He was pretty hyped about <laughs> he was that. Pumped. All right, question from a, a, a listener and former player, which I will say, speaking of former players, um, our guest last week, Colt, got more interaction from former players. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and caused a little ruckus in the long snapper world, which was awesome. We're here for it. <laughs> uh, we learned a lot about long snapping. A lot. Um, um, <laughs> so he could come back anytime. So, question for a former player. Um, compare the injuries Stitt and Bobby have had to overcome. In their third year as a head coach, Stitt lost Gus and could go to another senior quarterback. How does losing an All-American running back and his backup affect the team? I think having a true freshman at running back is an under-addressed issue when you look at pass protection and learning a college offense. Um, so, I think that's kind of part one. And then part two is, is developing a game plan harder with a second-string QB or is it harder to develop a game plan using third, fourth, and fifth freshman running backs? That's a good question. Well, That's a great guys, question. Here's the difference. And the sort of thing that former players would ask. Yeah. I, I think when, when we lost Gustafson, we went to, we went to someone else who Chad had challenge. challenge. We went to challenge who had record-setting s- Chad challenge. Record-setting. Um, but we had nicknames for him. I forget what that what they were, but anyway, yeah. Um, he had started games at Idaho. He right. was like FCS starter level. Yeah. So to go down from Gus to Chad Challenge wasn't that significant of a drop. Um, not like it was to go from I think Cam to Chris. redshirt freshman KB twelve. That's a fair. Yeah. Yeah, and right then there. you know you say like, well, the the drop down from Marcus Knight to a true freshman ah. in Bergen, like that's huge. huge. So I almost think it's there's like they're almost not like enough to compare, because um, most of the time I would take, I mean I, I think the an injury to your quarterback is like the worst thing ever, like w- way bad. Yeah. And I don't think it was as hard for Stitt as it was for Bobby to lose Marcus Knight and go down to Bergen. But, I mean, like, Stitt's offense was definitely predicated around the quarterback, where Bobby's – I wouldn't say it's around the running back, more probably the offensive line and a more of a ball control plan. But, obviously, the running back yeah. and the O-line make that happen a lot more. Yeah, and you know the the question mentions like the pass blocking. Yeah, and even understanding, you know, like I don't know. There's like an art to run, like running the ball that I don't even clearly understand. Um, but waiting for blocks, knowing when to jump into holes, um, I just I just think it's more complicated than we think. So it's hard to learn when you're a freshman, and especially because Bergen didn't really play a lot yeah. in Montana. Football is a lot different at the high school level, right, than it is yeah. at the college level. So I think, I mean, like, I think you're right. Like, yeah. naturally, you say, like, you know, losing your QB is tough, and and every year, Stitt lost QB. So that, it's an interesting conversation. Every single year. Um, but the thing that maybe stands out to me a little bit is that. Uh, We've talked all year about our running game and how much it struggled, and we've talked over and over again about, hey, our leading rushers are a a redshirt freshman and a true True freshman freshman who was supposed to be a slot receiver and redshirt this year. And it's like, 
you talk about those guys reading blocks and running, and you look at where this team still is. And I think it goes to kind of the bigger thing, and, and we kind of talked about this. So he goes on a little bit more, talked about kind of compare philosophies and stuff like that. I don't think there's a chance that any of Stitt's teams could have overcome the running back injuries they had to have any sort of running game. They struggled to have a running game. They didn't really. Yeah. As is. Right. I think the other part of Knight, missing Knight, is that you lost like a legitimate receiver. That's a good point. Like he was a he was a really big part of the pass game last year. And when you have Chris Brown, I mean, not Chris Brown, but when you are going to a new quarterback in Humphrey who, yeah, he got starts last year, but like it's always nice to have that outlet or like a nice guy that you can like check down to and feel like you have a safety blanket there. And like when that guy's not there, um, I think it changes – kind of the way you operate as a quarterback, too. So, like, not only did you lose a record-setting running back, you lost a very capable receiver. 277 yards and two touchdowns in 2019. Right. 34, 34 catches. Yeah. yeah. And it just changes the way opposing defenses. Right. Oh, yeah. Their mentality against you. Like, they have to respect that run more with Marcus Knight than they ever had to do with our backup running backs. Yeah. So what did we decide there? That night, night's the bigger injury. I think I think that I think the running backs might be the bigger injury, given that who they are. It's like if night's gone and you've got Osmo and these guys complimenting, I think it may be a different conversation. But it's like you know we all talk about the offensive struggles and stuff like that. I mean, I do think we have to acknowledge, and we have on this pod. Yeah. But I think you know we and maybe me have been hard on Cam. It's hard to play QB and develop a passing game if you can't run the ball. Yeah, very. You know. Because they know, and it's like dare them to throw. So I think that I think that definitely made a difference, and I think we're damn lucky that that Coach Howe put so much emphasis on special teams, and he's rebuilt defense at Montana. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think and, it's an interesting question. And I mean, the circling back, especially on the, the special teams, these last two games turned into dominant wins on the heels of special teams play. Um, and, I mean, the NAU game as well, too, even, right? So, um, it's it's tough to say. I was trying to think about this as we were – as I was watching QB Club myself on Zoom. Um, if uh, <laughs> if, um, if there's been a better overall special teams unit because I can think back to, okay, Mark Mariani in 2008 did this, 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 and this, and we just saw the returns. Or Jerry Lou McGee did this, Seegers. this, this, and this. Lavander Seegers, you know, had all these returns. But, like, I don't remember, like, how many punts? Have we, yeah, blocked, I don't remember we blocked, blocking like, two or three punts. Yeah. And we blocked two or three field goals. We definitely got one against Southern Utah. We got the one against <laughs> Southern Utah. I mean, so it's just like. Thank God. And, and scored touchdowns yeah. on special teams where we've scored them on punts, we've scored them on kicks, we've scored them on blocks. Uh, and the amount of field position, the kick returns and punt returns, and then Boom Sheeney with being the number one net punter in the nation and, and Macias being a 90%, you know, uh, a 91% make on field goals. Like the whole collective unit. And then you put together, especially the side of the coverage and the blocks, because a special teams unit is a lot of times retro freshmen and sophomores. And so, you know, you head on the road and maybe it's it's juniors, it's second string, third string guys, but it's just like 
it's a lot of young guys that we talked about this few pods earlier where it's like the special team standout kids are usually the guys that translate into the studs on defense and yep. things like that. Or but it's just prove like, their metal. Right. And so it's just like we've had amazing special teams play. Yeah, Eastern did a different punt coverage and like it was recognized and these young guys that are just like, you know, been playing it all year but are just thrust into this position where recognize it and go out and get it and it block a punt, block a fake field goal, just all this stuff like this. Um stuff out fake punts and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just astounds me. I I don't know, like for how young this unit is and for how complete it's been. And then you add in we lost our like our best punt returner that we've got this year and Gabe right. Sulcer right. four weeks into the season, you know? And so then it's just like all these things and how they've continued to produce and and the impact. I don't know if we've had a collective overall better special teams performance that I can recall. No. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'll it's hard head, to disagree with that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just like I have trouble thinking of back-to-back games where the kick and punt return and the punt game in general made as much of a difference in the the victories. No. I mean, I, th- I think uh, like Bobby said today, like when you're at the game, you see the punt return team and you're just like, eh, it's a punt, you know, <laughs> whatever. It's going to be fine. doesn't matter. And you don't think much of it. And it's like, man, the amount of energy that these guys put into it and as how they execute almost every single time that they're on the field, like carry out what their mission is for that play. Like it goes vastly overlooked, but it has been a massive part of the success of this team this year. Just real quick. And I don't know if there's a good answer to this. <clears throat> In other sports, is there another phase of the game that's so neglected, like it's no shine, it's just not sexy, but can be like this impactful when done right? Free throw shooting? Mm, maybe. maybe. It's not as exciting, but maybe. Because I'm thinking like, I mean, just so just so <laughs> fans know, yeah. like it's not just, an, there's some analysis on Bobby earlier this year that I saw retweeted and it was some like data analytics dude who looks at football and he was making the case that Bobby Houck might be the best special teams coach ever if you look at the performance of God, how teams. did we miss that? I'll go find go it. Find that. Yeah, yeah, I'll go find it and we'll retweet dude, you it. You have access to the Grizz Fan Pod Twitter account, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you share this stuff and find. But you know, so like what we're seeing is truly like I guess if you want to be uh, wax and wane a little bit like Bobby's probably as close as it comes to like an artist on special teams yeah. as a coach uh, and you know like <laughs> like we said underappreciated not sexy but gets you wins like I'm trying to think of like what that is in baseball like I'm, my dad's at home and he's going it's the bunt <laughs> yeah. dad that play doesn't matter anymore no, drag bunts. Don't you know, <laughs> don't you know about Actually, analytics? I was think like the middle reliever that nobody knows but but middle relievers are so important now well yeah it's like I... change the way baseball's played mm-hmm. yeah anyway I'll well, think on it tweet at us if you have an answer Bobby Howe so, I'll find this article question. Bobby Howe John, John Harbaugh parallels there special team coaches mm-hmm. who became very good head coaches you don't see John Harbaugh's special teams though dominating I bet it's harder in the NFL though Probably saying something today about like the NFL has like specific things like you uh, have to run block. a certain off um, yeah. set it set yeah. for punts. You can't do all the right and kick off and field goals. You can't right. do all. It's of probably it. less impactful, but yeah. 
in the name of safety. So um, I mentioned um, Colt Palmer earlier, but he did actually text us a question um, that I was going to ask in the question period, but since we're talking about it, this is irrelevant. He wants to know um, if the punt is the most exciting play in football. I still think kickoff is, unless you're Eastern Washington, because then you just fair catch it every time. Because his argument would be it was on Friday. And it was. what's interesting to me about that question, based on what we were all just talking about, is I can't think of a time where collectively, both when we're getting the punt, when we're returning, and when we're punting, that fans are so engaged in the play. Because Boomshini, we've talked about him, he's a lot of fun to watch, leading the nation in punting. And then, you know, we're getting good returns from whoever we put back there. Maybe maybe the punt is, because, like, you have two, like, you have, like, the potential for a block, or you have the potential for a big return that could shift the game so much. Mm-hmm. I was maybe the say, punt is better than the kickoff. I was going to say, where does the Hail Mary rank? Ooh. Well, if you're a Packers fan, it ranks pretty high. Yeah. Really, I'm high. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's pulled off at least a couple times. Statistically, the Hail Mary... Super almost high. always falls incomplete. Yeah. But do you guys get excited about an onside kick? Because I do. I always get excited about an onside kick. But it's like the, I always the get chance really of getting really like nervous when another team is doing an onside kick. Yeah. Because I know the percentages are bad, but I always assume they're going to get it. Yeah. Were you guys a little bit surprised at who's on our hands team? When they, I didn't even look. I didn't pay that close attention. I was a little surprised. Uh, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I remember when they, a lot of defensive when, they, guys, when right? they ran out there, I was like, huh? These are the guys, huh? These are our hands guys? No offense if you're on the hands team. You probably have great hands. I just don't know about it. But I was a little surprised that it wasn't like there's like a lot of guys that I recognize. There's a lot of DBs, though, right? There was like some so. linebackers and yeah, some DBs. Yeah. 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 That's funny. I'm going to have to rewatch that. Yeah. I was like, I was just like. Oh. I think all the tight ends. I think it was yeah. like Elwell. I think and, you're right. Uh, Grossman. And yeah. 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 <laughs> I didn't see Mitch Roberts. I thought I would see Mitch Roberts. He catches oh, the, wow. you know. I, I would absolutely think Mitch Roberts should I, be the hand. He might be, and maybe I overlooked him, but I don't think I saw him. Did you see Ben Roberts? I'm just <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. It's, I'm trying to trigger someone on Egress that yeah. I drive crazy when I keep saying Ben. Get their names right. I know. I think I've messed up people's names in this exact podcast, but I'll have to re-listen to find out. I think in the last pod, it's somebody called him Ben Roberts. Oh, well, Brent does it every week. Me. Oh. It was me. Yep. Probably, every week. Probably a minute. All right. Great win. Great win. Great evening. Um, Katie O'Keefe's afterwards. That was fun, too. Then we R- Really wish I showed up for yeah, that. He should have showed up. Luke went home and fun. went to bed. Kyle couldn't uh, get people out of his house in time to come. I had um, too much to drink. <laughs> as will as do we. anyone who saw me that evening I can t- attest. I took, an Uber, I took an Uber home, and I talked to that kid about his real estate license oh. the whole way back. <laughs> do, you, do you mind if I ask you how much the Uber was that night? Uh, I think it was $24. Well, oh, yeah, it, it was one forty in the morning. So oh. uh, let me check my Uber receipts. But Oh, one forty a.m. One forty a.m. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, no, no, <laughs> Why did it jump up to $140? No, 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 no. $140 in the morning. Yeah. So let me see. My sister tried to get one at Cat bucks. Game. 21 bucks. At 1130 It was $80. Oh, oh. From, from downtown, granted she lives up uh, Linda Vista, but still, still downtown to her house, $80. I live, I live out Mullen Road, so. Insane. Yeah. Shoot. I, mean, I was in a short ride. Yeah. But, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Saw night. a lot of the athletic department out there uh, oh, celebrating. Yeah. That was fun. Oh, good. Um, I did nothing on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, Watch some playoff football. I, I spent it all day in the gym watching three youth basketball games. Oh. 
That must hey. have been awesome. Nah, it was fun. feeling like nah, a proud dad. James went three and two and one. I mean, two and one. James and his his buddies who are long, several good basketball players. James is James is is learning and is a good role player. There are some good kids on that team. What's James's role? Play Mac, hard, Mac Daddy. <laughs> he sets some good screens, high motor, scores some points. High motor, high motor. <laughs> Does he bring hit pull up his? Can can coach effort? We're working on. We're actually, bring his lunch James, pail to work every we're, day. We're and... trying to work on like proper running form because he runs and he doesn't like. We've kind of gotten to start bending his elbows, but then he doesn't like pump them like you would know. It's just fascinating how people develop. Form he's he's athletics. like that woman on Seinfeld. That Seinfeld doesn't episode. Move arms. Doesn't she move her arms. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. All right. Um, rest of the playoff field. Um, only seed to fall so far, Sac State. Uh, Sac- this is why no I'm shocked, one, you guys. I mean, obviously, they, they beat us. But it's why no one ever respects you. Yeah. But I also think the committee should have looked harder at the only win they had was over us, and we were down a QB. Because some years, the committee has said injuries matter. Well, that was a pretty big injury. I don't, yeah. You know? We were down a lot of guys in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so South Dakota State beats Sack kind of handily. Well, not handily. I mean, they got up. 24. 24, like zero, right? Then, yeah. Or something. Then and then Sack kind of inched back, and then there was the wacky trick play that fooled the TV announcers and nobody else, but the running back picks it up where the quarterback pretends the audible doesn't work and direct snap to the running back, and he picks it up, and down goes Sac State. Um, But South Dakota State, I mean, we all saw this with South Dakota State. Like, they had some weird losses, but they had some great wins. They Mm -hmm. beat North Dakota State. Um, Now, they were 8-3. and They weren't probably deserving of a seed because of their losses, but uh, on that side of the bracket... They go to Villanova. They're favored, I think, on the road. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And then they're going to play the winner of Cats and Sam Houston. South Dakota State's got to like their path to the national championship, I think, as long as they just keep playing the football they're playing. They beat Davis. They beat Sack. I yeah. don't know. But it a just lot of, highlights tra- the, the travel difference could, in these two sides of the bracket. Yeah. Oh the travel could add up, though, too. Yeah, that is – I mean, yeah, going to Sacramento and then – they hosted Davis. Go to yeah, I was the other they night. I was Davis. thinking that they went yeah. to Davis, but they hosted Davis. So I mean that that makes some difference. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean that's a lot of travel in, in a couple of weeks. But I, yeah. I just wanted Sac to win. Cause I I was one of the few people who actually thought they were like better than the respect that they were getting. I mean, Troy I know Taylor. that they had to. Yeah. <laughs> I know they only beat us when we had a backup quarterback and other injuries, and it was kind of like the lull of our season. But like. It, they were fifteen and one in their last sixteen yeah. Big Sky games. And they've you know? only like, lost one. I think game when you are doing that, Troy Taylor's back to back. You're doing something the year. good. Yeah. No, they're. I mean, so the score looks fine, but going down twenty four zero, it solidifies everything that everybody said about them. Yep. There's no. There's no arguing that they were like worthy of their seed anymore. I mean, yep. in hindsight, right? Grizz should have had that four seed. <laughs> uh, Sack should have had a seed, maybe the six, and Eastern probably should have had the seven. Or eight cats interchangeable, seven yeah. and eight. We should have seeded four big sky teams. Yeah, yeah, I think. And they, yeah. And Villanova should not be the five. Yeah. Villanova should probably be the eight, honestly, if they wanted to seed them. I mean, if they if they punished Weber, not Weber, Eastern for losing to Weber, to say yo, you lost to a non-playoff team. Villanova lost to William and Mary, who went six and five. 
Right. Why, why aren't you punishing them as well? Right. Like you should because they beat James a five seed. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so their strength yeah. of schedule is awful. Their only other good win, I guess, other JMU. than JMU was Rhode Island. But Rhode Island was seven and four. They didn't make it. So it's like that. Yeah. Throw that out. Yeah. Beat a playoff team. Yeah. I uh, watched a good portion of the Incarnate Word and Sam Houston State game. Um, Incarnate Word's head coach is now going to Wazoo. Yeah. New uh, head OC. coach. To be the OC. Yeah. Um, their quarterback was stud. I would yeah. be surprised if that kid goes to Wazoo as he well. He was sweet. Um, Interesting. Sam Houston, I have no idea what the hell they were doing in that game nothing they did made sense i just assume that sam houston and kyle you watch this game too right i i just saw the i just saw the okay end of the fourth quarter i assume that sam houston came into that game thinking they were playing like a d2 school and they really didn't have to play like smart football to win the game and incarnate word had some some talent and um there was just so much weird stuff and sam houston has a great run defense and a bad pass defense. And the current word passed the ball a lot. Um, they had a whole bunch of big pass plays turned into touchdowns. Uh, Sam Houston, and again, just like weird coaching decisions. Sam Houston gets a first and goal on the three with two minutes to go. And current words out of timeouts. And it's a tie game. They call a run play instead of a couple of kneel downs. And current word stands up and lets him run in the end zone. So they can have a chance with two minutes to go. And they effectively get to Sam Houston's one yard line to try to tie the game up. Like it was just like it, it baffled me. And it's the same damn coach they had all the way back when we played him in twenty eleven, I think. Keeler. Keeler. So it's just like I don't I don't understand what Sam Houston was thinking in that game. The the guys on ESPN were making a big deal of that too. Yeah. And I was kinda like, I think I would have scored there too. And I then I thought about it and I was like I mean, I get what you're saying because, like, the kneel downs, if you just kneel down, kneel down, and then I, kick the field goal, you don't bring in the chance of losing the game. I would have kneeled down twice and ran on third down because, like, you get in and you're up seven points with, like, 30 seconds to go. Right. Great. Kick yeah. a field goal, you're up three points with, like, 15 seconds to go. Fine. Yeah. But, oh, I'm going to give Incarnate Word two minutes to tie the game when they've tied the game on deep shots and big plays every single time we've scored. Made no sense. Yeah. But – you know, eked out the win. Incarnate Word had a fourth and goal with, what was it, six seconds? Eight seconds? Oh, yeah. They got down to, like, the 10-yard line with, like, 50 they got down seconds to five. left. And a, yeah. and a quarterback draw and the quarterback. I mean, it was almost that. Uh, it was a dumb play. I, I don't know why they ran that well, play. Well, they get a first and goal on a targeting, right? And they, uh, there was a targeting personal foul that then set up a first and goal. I thought like, the targeting happened before that. It was close. Yeah. So, maybe they, they get down there. But they got a first and goal. And they threw on first down. Incomplete. And they run on the next three <laughs> yeah. with no timeouts. It's like, I don't know. Like, they run for two yards. They run for, like, three yards. And then fourth and goal, game on the line, quarterback draw. And it was kind of one of those um, Steve McNair. And if, you know, it was our, slow. It was very or, slow it moving. McNair, but the, the Titans-Rams Super Bowl were, like, hits yeah. and stretches and just is a yard short. Yeah. And yeah. It, granted, it would only set up a potential tie. But still, I was just—they would have gone for two. I'm sitting there thinking, Incarnate Word is going to win this damn game, and the goddamn Bobcats are going to go fucking home game. They're going to kick the shit out of those guys, yep. and we got this tough road game. 
this is like a couple of years ago where the cats like Austin P beats Sac State. Right. <laughs> and the so, cats get another home game. I was like, oh my god, it's happening again. Right. So what do you think? Do you think Sam Houston matches up well against MSU? Sam Houston matches up way better against MSU defensively. They have a good defense, but I just think I can think back to man. I'm trying to think of what year that was. The Grizz played McNeese State, and they had to go to McNeese. This is like a yacht. Oh, man. It might have been. So, like, 97? Might have been that year. Yeah, because it was the year before they played. No, I was – so, I, I, I distinctly – I do remember I was, I, was, I was dating my now wife. So, this would have been either late 90s or early 2000s. Yeah, I think because, like – 99? We went, it was 99. I think it would have been earlier than that because the last we Dennehy lost on a year, fake punt. Grizz tried a fake punt, and didn't get it. I think it was '97 because '98 we lost to Western Illinois. It might have been '99 then, but it was still McDenehy. Yeah, I think so. Uh, anyways, I don't know. Late '90s, McNeese State, number one team in the nation, but kept having all these like weird eke out close games, and I like watched that, and I was like, this team is not winning the national championship. They are too flawed. I absolutely feel that way about Sam Houston. Um, they're big. They're like kind of like Idaho in the sense like they got big alignment, they got big running backs. Um, but defensively, like statistically, their defense is great. So I mean, and the cats are all all run. Can you out physical them? Like that's my thing with the cats. Can they just go down there like a Southland team? I just don't trust Southland teams really. No, me like, neither. I think a lot of them are super finesse, and I wonder if the cats were just like, hey. Look, we're not going to throw the ball because Tommy Malott can't. So we have to run. We have to win the power run well, game. Well, that's what I was thinking. How many more games can the Cats win with Tommy Malott as the yeah. quarterback? See, I I, 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 well, they're in such a great side of the bracket. I mean, they're in a great side of the back and they bracket. And they certainly have a chance. I do not think but, they can beat South Dakota State that way. But no, I don't. No, no, no. I don't believe they can beat South Dakota State. I I don't think they have enough offense to beat Sam Houston State. I mean, we'll see, but I just I, – I mean, I feel like we're – don't get me wrong. The Cats have a good defense. But, I mean, okay. Sam Houston State, oh. they went 10-0 this year and didn't have the greatest schedule. In the spring season, their playoff run, they beat, like, South Dakota State, North Dakota State, and James Madison, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like – I mean, in everybody. the calendar year, they have been challenged with basically this team – and come out on the other side. Like, I get, I just, I understand, and I think people are going to wrap up the, in the, you know, potential. And I, I mean, they, cat fans can jump on me and say I'm wrong, but I just don't, I don't know how they're going to score offensively. I mean, because that team that they played was bad. UT Martin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they bad. were just, they, I don't care what their ranking were. I don't care anything. They were bad. Yeah. Like, they would, they would be lower tier Big Sky Conference. Maybe mid lower tier, you know, or Portland State or something. I don't know. Yeah, Portland I mean, State, that, that NAU, kind of, NAU, BSU, yeah. right? Yeah. And you know, it's like Tommy Malott now has a, game, a, a a full game being the QB that they're going to watch. I don't know. I mean, maybe they can't. I don't. And add in UT Martin is a zone read option team, and that quarterback, their conference player of the year, got hurt in the last regular season game. So the quarterback that UT Martin was playing when they beat Missouri State, Missouri State gave him six turnovers, yeah. and then lost the Cats, is a passing quarterback. 
not an option QB. And you add in what is forty mile an hour wind gusts. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I didn't. I had the games on split screen. I was watching both, but like, no one could throw a pass in that game like accurately beyond a f- ten yards because the wind was just too crazy. I don't think if it was a calm day, I don't think UT Martin beats Montana State. Anyways, like no. just you looked at the size, just the physical, just nature of that game. I mean, the only way UT Martin scored was on the scoop and score a fumble. And I think they crossed midfield just a couple of times. I mean, yeah. it, it was it was a great matchup for MSU in the sense that they could just physically beat the hell out of them. I mean, so. it must be nice to just be gifted a playoff. Win. <sighs> right. It must be really nice. Instead of having to play Eastern Not Washington. Not to play like one of the f- <laughs> six best teams in the nation. Yeah. You look at the Grizz and, and, and Sac State where they're like, we got Eastern and South Dakota State and you've got UT Martin. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, man. But I don't know. It's the way it goes. Uh, regionalization. We've complained enough about that, but it's kind of the way it goes. Gross. So okay, we're. T- I mean, I just hope they. I, I kind of hope the cats can't beat them because this would be the third straight time they've gone down there in the playoffs and lost. Right? Sam Houston. Didn't they lose to him back to back years? Or in the Ash era. I thought. Well, I they know. did lose to him in the Ash era in Bozeman. I remember covering that game. That was the quarterfinal game. Okay. Uh, but I thought. I thought they, they did lose to him in 2011 because they went down there because that was the year where the Cats and Grizz might have met in the semifinals. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So they lost to him then, and I thought they lost to him the year before that, but I could be wrong. Let me uh, fact check. I don't know here. about 2010. All right, we're going to fact check Kyle here. 2011 Cats Kyle's season ended all the time. at Sam Houston State. Got smoked. Smoked. 49-13. Elvis Aquila had a sick catch in that game. And Still you hangs think, in the halls of the Bulls. You think there was a 2013 goal. game in there? I think 2010, maybe. No, no, 2013. I know they did lose to, um, I think it was probably 2013. Maybe 20. No, it was 2012 they lost to him. Because that was the first year I worked at the Chronicle. 2010, NDSU ended their their playoffs. That was when NDSU was just getting going, right? Yeah, and I think it was 2012 because that was the year I picked the Grizz to beat them, even though the Grizz sucked. Yep. And they wanted to burn down my house. And then I picked the, and then I picked yeah. the cats to beat Southern or Sam Houston State, and nobody gave me any credit for it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, see, see, it doesn't matter who I pick. That year, that was the year. So yeah, twenty twelve, that yeah. was just the Grizz. Like yeah, yeah, uh, fully grads fired, and um, cats beat us sixteen seven in Missoula. Yep, beat Stony Brook in the first round, sixteen ten, and then lose thirty four sixteen. Sam yep. Houston State. Yeah. But, so, anyways, I think it would be kind of funny to see them lose them again i just think i think if statistically sam houston's defense gets the job done rushing it, it could be a long day for the cats yep but i also think and i've been saying this repeatedly is this as the postseason goes on sam houston james madison and some of these other teams these kids have played two seasons worth of football in one calendar year and we're going to move into JMU in a bit. And you look at some of the things that are going on with some of these rosters with attrition due to health and injury and stuff, and then playing, having to rely on freshmen, sophomores. Yes. Montana's had to do that as well too. Cats a, a little bit, not as much, but I just, you kind of start to wonder if some of these more fresh teams like Montana, Montana state who didn't have to play. I mean, Sam Houston state played a six game, regular season and then played three, four playoff, four, three playoff games. And mm-hmm. four, so they played a 10 game season in the spring. 
and now they're on. They played a ten game season. Interestingly enough, it's number one seed team. Seed team. They only played ten games. Right. But so now, so that their their players are on their twenty second, twenty first, twenty first game in a calendar year when they play the Cats. I mean, That's I don't a lot. Know. Young guys recover a lot more than us. <laughs> Wait, you couldn't play 21 games in a year? <laughs> I probably couldn't play a quarter. <laughs> Could you play three games of basketball in a row right now? Hell yeah. <laughs> My answer is no. <laughs> well, like, like, like competitive level basketball? Yeah, yeah. Oh, hell no. No. Oh, no. But so it's like, I, I, I don't know. But you just start to kind of wonder, like some of these teams, like, is it catching up? Yeah. It, it and it would be to me that it would if we didn't have to travel as much as we did uh i think that would be more of an advantage for us that we played less yeah. but like man that is just so brutal to go across the country play on a friday come back and if north dakota state wins which by all accounts there They're should gonna, be east tennessee state oh my god we have to travel 20 hours to them like well, I mean, it's not 20 hours by plane, but it is like a long... It's still a ways away. That's why. Like, that is just a brutal oh, yeah. road. And considering the 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 skill of the teams that we have to go through. I mean, it's arguably the sixth best team, the third best team, and maybe the best team. The yeah. or the second best. Like, yeah. yeah. That's just insane that we actually have to go through that road yeah. as the sixth seed. It makes no sense. It would have been nice to play that Saturday game. Mm. It would have been nice to play UT Martin or Kennesaw State. Or yeah. did anyone watch the ETSU Kennesaw State game? No, I heard about the end though. What happened at the end? So uh, East Tennessee State is down. They score a touchdown. They kick an onside uh, onside kick. Yeah. Get it. Drive down. Score. Get a two point conversion and win. Oh. If that that's I think I think if I remember right, oh uh, Sam Herder's tweets. I think that's I think that's how it went. That's crazy. That's wild. Yeah. What an ending. Um, we're talking too much about other games. We need to get no, we're good. We're good. We're good. So, real quick, uh, I think, do any of us think that the Cats are going to win at Sam Houston this weekend? Like I said, I just don't trust Southland teams. So, I could. Okay. I, I would say it's like 60-40 that Sam Houston State wins. Okay. I'm in line with that. Yeah, I think Sam Houston I, – I see Sam Houston and James Madison are favored by the same spread. I think 60-40 is a good – that makes sense. good odds. I, I, you know, I'm asking for picks, so I will pick Sam Houston, but 60-40 seems fair. All right, South Dakota State at Villanova. Villanova. I think South Dakota State's going to pull that off. I do too. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think they're on a good roll. They're such a weird team, though. They tend to have like just a bad game. So is yeah. that out of their system, yeah. or because if one of those pops up, they're screwed. Yep. But it seems like they should win. Uh, Luke stepped out of the room for a second, so he's oh. going to pick South Dakota State too. Really quick, just off that game, <laughs> considering if we were the five seed, that's the game that we would be playing. We'd be playing we would, South Dakota State in Missoula. Right. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about Montana uh, JMU, but I guess the answer is becoming more clear to me the, the longer I go on with this stupid question. Which game would you rather have, South Dakota State here or, J, or at JMU? Oh man, that's a coin flip. I, I think I'd rather be. I'd like, rather. I'd rather be, I mean, be I'd here. rather be here because we could have possibly got another Friday home Friday yeah, playoff. I game. mean, you're always going to take a home, yeah, you a home go game. Home. Yeah, and give it our spreads again. You know, at home versus on the road in the playoffs. But yeah, uh, you know, I think just JMU game is going to be great. So, 
So we're all picking South South Dakota State. North Dakota State, I think we're all picking. Like yeah. I don't I don't see them getting upset. I heard Luke say he's gonna pick Tennessee. No. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> What yeah, what brilliant. else am I missing? We've done the other side of the that's bracket. It. That's it, right? That's it. Then we go to the so let's yeah. talk about James Madison. Brent, James. Why don't you give us a rundown? You wrote a um, good scouting report and pissed off Grizz Nation uh, at the end of an otherwise great weekend. Pissed so off. I pissed in everyone's you... Cheerios on Sunday night. All right, James Madison. Uh, we, I mean, arguably second most successful team of the last decade behind North Dakota State. They Probably won a national fair. title. They've, they've been to two others. Been there two others. Uh, they've placed plenty of guys in the pros. This is their last FCS playoffs. They are headed to the Sun Belt, right? Is that where it is? I can't remember. Yeah. Yep. Sun Belt. Fun Belt. The, yeah, the Fun Belt. They are 11 and 1. Their one loss is to the five seed Villanova. Um, interestingly, they did not have a play up game, so they didn't have an F. BS school that they played. They did play Weber State. Is that one of their biggest wins? I mean, I guess they had wins over yeah. some teams that no. were ranked at the time, right? So they played three teams that were ranked at the time, but it was like, so they played, um, let me see, Delaware, and then I think New Hampshire, and somebody else, William and Mary, probably at that time, that were like 25th or 24th. And technically, I guess they beat Southeastern Louisiana last weekend. South and Southeastern Louisiana was ranked, but they, they you know, their win, like the the closest connection we can get, is they played Weber State. They went to Weber State, and they kind of beat the crap out of them. They're twenty seven ten. Weber scored a couple of backup QB for Weber, right? Yep. And uh, so you know, came into Weber, put it to Weber pretty good. That was early on. Um, the. It's interesting, like, to me, the comparison I can draw to this James Madison team that I can take by looking at, like, watching a couple highlight reels and reading their stats and stuff, they are the late 2000s Bobby Houck Grizzlies. Save they don't have a Chase Reynolds. Because much like the Grizz, they're on, like, their third third or fourth-string running back. But they've got a quarterback that throws the ball well and makes limited mistakes can run when he needs to. They have a big, strong O-line that's a little young, and they've got two receivers that both of them, one of them's got 1,100 yards, one of them's got 970 yards. Both of them have double-digit touchdowns. And then they've also got a running back that's like a pass-catch, kick-return, everything utility guy. So, unlike Eastern Washington, they don't have six playmakers that are that can be on the field. Well, six. That's you can't do. It. Well, I, I mean, yeah. Their wide receivers are four, good, and one yeah. of them is really good. Yeah, they don't have like four to five guys that the whole defense has to account for. In the sense <laughs> of, they it's really two receivers. Um, yeah, that and a great quarterback. Uh, I watched most of that southeastern Louisiana game. Um, I was impressed with what their quarterback could do when he got pressured he could escape the pressure well but i was talking to someone else about this today like cam humphrey and even dalton sneed to some extent like you leave the pocket and it was like a quick decision to run it's like all right i'm running um this is happening i'm not throwing this ball eyes are off the field i'm just gonna go their quarterback 
had a pretty impressive ability in the southeastern Louisiana game to know exactly where that line of scrimmage was and still be eyes down the field the whole time. And, of course, we know what the Grizz defense is going to do. They're going to blitz the hell out of this guy. And if he gets outside of that containment, it's going to be interesting to see how our coverage will do because this guy is always paying attention downfield. He's not a guy that's going to be like, even in a barrier where it's like, all right, I'm running, I'm going, this is happening. He is still looking for that opportunity to throw the ball. Um, Long-time starter, right? Yeah, yeah, multiple-year senior. Uh, it's kind of funny. I, I, In my write-up, I said, I think he's like a great pro prospect, and their fans run me back, and they're like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, like, you're 6'4", uh, was he 214 65 214 pounds thrown for 275 yards a game and he's thrown two interceptions the whole season. He's got so so Barrier has a weird throwing motion. This kid has this like he throws really high passes. Yeah. If you watch that game it's like really high arcing passes, but like the ESPN guys were talking about this, his receivers like a lot of his passes cuz they're real catchable. Cuz they're soft high arcing throws. So, well, yeah. That's what I noticed. I watched two of their games i went there's this youtube account like free dawkins is like one of the nba ones it's willie the bronco two. Oh yeah so he's writing about this on egress yeah yeah so like full games i've been enjoying watching re-watching the grizz beat the shit out of the msu yeah um nice. for two weeks now but i watched both of jmu's games they're up on that youtube channel and I agree with you. That's I was going to say, I think he's an NFL prospect. Yeah. He throws every pass well. Absolutely. Like, And it's not just that he's you know, reading the defense correctly. He is. But he's throwing the ball perfectly on the outside shoulder in tough coverage, only where the receiver can catch it. If there's a window, the ball's going to find it. Yeah. And like the, you said in your write-up, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, the film that, that Coach Houck showed us tonight, he, he placed a couple of passes where only the receiver could get it. I mean, good throws. Yeah, yeah. How often you, – you've watched two games. I watched just the first half of their game last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How often do you see him actually get pressured, though, and hit? Because I think that's a, that's a thing that doesn't get talked about enough with quarterbacks is like – any quarterback can be good on schedule, right? But, like, if you get thrown off schedule or you've been hit, like, three, two or three times, like, how good is he at, like, maintaining his, his poise and, like, his ability to look downfield? Like, did, did you see that at all in the, in the games? Yeah, he – well, he was not pressured. At all last week. I mean, we well, played South, Southeastern Louisiana a couple years ago. We know really their defense is crap. Right. Their defense <laughs> is crap. trash. Yeah. And I think that is going to be – like I think this game for him will be maybe the most important game he has for his NFL prospects because yeah. we are going to force him off his right. spot. We're going to force him out of the pocket. And if we can cause disruption of his schedule, that's our that's our route to victory. Yeah, Perfect. And I want to ask about that. Um, real quick, though, we have a late cameo appearance from uh, James who should be a in bed asleep. Um, do you have your score prediction for this game? Mm-hmm. What is oh, it? What do we got? 39 38. 39 38. Whoa. Whoa. All right. You're going to make it tough for me to sleep, though. Oh, my God. Boy, oh boy. 
That's a nail biter. <laughs> All right, Bella. Glad the game's at five, not thanks for seven or eight. Thanks for, thanks for thinking about that for a while and coming back. Appreciate it, James. Giving, giving us some rundown. Yeah. All right, so question for you guys. And, and, and along these lines, like one, you know, how good is the CAA? We don't really know, but it doesn't seem like they've played many people big side caliber, but they did go on the road and beat Weber. Well, so that's everybody beat Weber at home. Fair <laughs> Literally everybody. Fair <laughs> point. Right? Portland. Yeah. Cats. But I feel like that's the, that's they the, win a game. that's a point to zero in on though, is when they played Weber, who we thought was going to be better as, you know, this with an injured QB with it. Yeah. We thought Weber was going to be better. They score 24 points on Weber. I don't know that they score 24 points on us. Interesting. So the question kind of a, like keeping clean and, and having a pocket. Brent, what is their O-line like? Because isn't their O-line kind of young? It's, it's actually really young. I did not actually realize this initially. Uh, you know, I'd noticed like their rushing stats weren't great, but it was like they had – their their rushing stat line looked just like us. Oh, this guy started two games. This guy started one game. This guy started three games. This guy's got 400 yards, and he's blah, blah, blah. Um, as tipped off on, on some replies, I think kind of the egress thread today from a Villanova fan was that their O-line, they've got one first-team all-conference guy, I think one of the guards, but the rest of the guys are sophomores or retro freshmen. So they're actually – and they've had a lot of injuries, and um, they uh, have essentially sacrificed the playmaking, pass-catching ability of the tight end uh, to have their current tight ends be pass block do you, support. Do you know how many starts? Like No, I don't. No? No, no. Because, uh, I mean, I don't know if we're getting to the point where we're, like, yeah. giving our opinions on how I we mean, think those things bode well for us, but, like... Oh, against this was, defense? An inexperienced yeah, young O-line? Yeah, yeah that's oh my great. God. That's, like, the perfect recipe for our defense because of the way, that, like, we mix things up when we attack gaps, either uh, guys going through the same ones or, like, just, like... Uh, the chaos that we can cause up front. Yep. Um, there was one thing that we did get shown, I guess that was like, they, like you said, they do sacrifice their tight end and they, and they leave their running back in to do a lot of mass protect, Yep. which is going to, but that's like maybe help neutralize that, but I don't two, know. Two receivers that are the playmakers. Right. And right. So, max but I feel protect. good. Yeah. yeah. I feel good if they're doing that and they're leaving our defensive backs, especially after the, the adjustments that we made, um, against Eastern, like as the game went on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel really good if if they're going to have to max protect mm-hmm. and just go three man routes. I feel really good about our because here's the there. here's the thing not to cut you off, Luke. That no. I I find is difference is like yeah they might have receivers that are good and he might be able to throw it, but the difference between this guy and Eric Barrier is that Eric Barrier keeps plays alive and then heaves it, and that's not a thing that most QBs can do against us. And if he's not fleet of foot. That he can really take off and run, I think that bodes well for the Grizz pressure game. I think I think Johnson feels the pocket more naturally. When I watch him, I think Craig Oaks. Yeah. Okay. God. Yeah, that's, that's a terrifying. great comparison. That's, that's who I think of. Which is at, like, you know, when when I'm in my pessimistic moments, when I'm vacillating between like <laughs> sheer just pessimism, and then. You know, I to bliss when I think about what this defense is going to do to this young O line. I feel like he's going to feel the pressure, roll out and scamper, 
you know, for 12 yards probably eight times this game. Like, he could have 100 yards rushing. Um, that terrifies me. But also, I just, I think this defense is legitimately next level. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I don't think one thing that struck me watching the Southeast Louisiana game is unless their roster has changed that much since they were here a couple of years ago, I was surprised that JMU looked slow. Like and I don't know, you maybe you guys watched more of that game than I did. I don't know. It didn't it didn't feel like the game was moving fast. It just kind of felt like JMU just had better guys and they, you know, put them away and, and you know, had some big plays and stuff like that, but I find it hard to believe that in a CAA that's apparently down that they will have seen a defense like ours because apparently they're the best defense in the CAA. They are. You know, and they haven't faced an offense like Eastern twice, you know, right. or, you know, even some of the other ones. So I'm just kept – I'll be real curious how that plays out. To, to your point about, like, him getting out of the pocket, maybe scrambling around, I maybe I'm just not remembering it, but I feel like our – Blitz and the way we've gone about like setting that up has done actually a really good job of like maintaining like contain of quarterbacks. Like, oh, yeah, I don't really recall a quarterback really hitting us for that this year. Not I mean, consistently, I, I just can't know. Barry, I fourth mean, Sacramento quarter, State, Sacramento State did a few times, a little bit, yeah, uh, but not consistently because you you, yeah. you're comfortable taking the chances with our cover guys, yeah, yeah. I just I, – I don't actually think Barry is as good – I don't think he's as good of a rusher than he could be. Right. Because he's always looking to throw the ball yeah. 50 yards downfield. Yeah. Um, if he if he just had a different gene – That's such and, an odd but true statement. Yeah. And yeah. type to run, he would be yeah. better. In fact, I think that's maybe one of the things that separated him and Vernon – or what separates Vernon Adams from him is Vernon knew exactly like, – exactly what he needed to do to get to the sticks. Yep. Yeah. And I, I just, like, to loop back to JMU, this quarterback will be, I think, the the best overall quarterback we've With, faced this year. Without a doubt. Yeah. I think Wait, I he's better than Matt McKay? Ooh, he's man. Than Dylan Thomas? Or that. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is his name? Morris? Dylan Morris? Is that his name? And so, if we can, <laughs> but if we can disrupt his schedule, move him off his spot, and and cause chaos, obviously, I I, I think we're going to be able to do that. Now, on the other side of the ball, yeah, yeah. we need our offense to continue this two game momentum, um, and I I kind of have faith that they will. I do too. Uh, our offensive line has played two games where they have absolutely controlled the game, like. I, I'm actually really optimistic about what the O-line and Cam Humphrey have done so far. Yeah, It, it was scary, though, to uh, listen to Bobby tick off the players' numbers and be like, this defender's good, this defender's good, this defender's good. I like this guy. I like this guy. I was like, oh, I, God, you just named half their defense. <laughs> I, their front seven is better than the Cats' front seven. Yeah, that's what you wrote. I mean, that, I read your scouting report, and you wrote that, and I was like, so other I need to tweet people, at Brent right now. Like other people who have read and responded to your scouting report have said that the interior line is very good, but the, well, the but edges might edge not guys. be. Well, no. that linebacker is only 5'10". Oh, God, don't tell that to the JMU fans. <laughs> Holy shit, Kyle. 
<laughs> you read the roster and said out loud and you upset <laughs> people. I literally That's posted. helmet on, too. I posted that the guy is 5'10", and three JMU fans have tagged that player and tagged me to be like, here we go, bulletin board material. What the fuck? The guy's like 5'10". He, he is what he is. Unless I mean, they're probably saying the same thing about tall. Robbie Houck. Yeah. yeah. Hey, maybe we should have him tag Rob. Yeah, okay. Does he wear lifts in his cleats? <laughs> oh, he's lifting. Yeah. Uh, so, three of James Madison's four defensive linemen are first or second team All Conference, and then all of their linebackers are first or second team All Conference. Six of their front seven are first or second team. Which I was saying this to Mike, like that sounds really good on his face. It does. But being first, being an all-conference team is a function of something, and that is how talented is your conference. Is your conference. Maybe these guys are just really good, and they do deserve it. Like, only two playoffs. Only two playoff teams from them. Right. You know, but like, still playing. Maybe they're just like two in the Big Sky. Yeah. Maybe they're not. <laughs> maybe the the depth is just not there. Maybe those possessions don't have talent in that conference, and so like, could they be. get it. But like, I don't know. Like I said, when Hauk was like, "This guy's good. This guy's good. This guy's good," I was like. They've, yeah, they've yeah, got he he's got high respect. He wouldn't defense. say that. High respect. They've if got they were trash. They've got a really good cover corner. Um number 9. So, I mean, good D-line, good linebackers, one good like a great corner. That's a recipe for a long day. Yeah, and you I mean you expect JMU to have talent. I mean Oh, yeah. There are so many people where they are and like it is easy to get FCS drop downs. I like mean, where you are, and I don't know if any of these guys Virginia? are them, but like I you mean, just yeah. expect yeah. them to have talent, like especially skill position talent. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and I, yeah. I mean, yeah. the amount of it was interesting. I was looking at a lot of these guys. A lot of their main playmakers, say if one guy who transferred from VMI, they don't have like a lot of drop downs that like jumped out to me. But I mean, I think if you look at I don't know West Coast versus East Coast in terms of the most successful programs west coast is north dakota state mm-hmm. you know west i guess west the mississippi let's not say west coast but and east is jmu yep so if you're a top fcs talent and your early recruit opportunity is jmu you're you're probably going there yeah and jmu has a ton of guys in the pros just like ndsu so again you have kind of a multiple argument where it's like jmu has won their conference six of their last seven years We've been in the national title game three times and won one. Right. You know, um, they've got all these guys in the pros. They can make the second best pitch to a kid that, that North Dakota, outside of North Dakota State. So, yeah, they've got a lot of opportunity there to do that. Right. Um, yeah, the CAA has not been as strong, but like you look at like the strongest FCS conference is still it's the Big Sky, it's the Missouri Valley, yep. and, and it's the Colonial. Yep. We're like the top three. Um, and once again, here we are. Each conference has two teams left in it. Right. So, yeah. It's going to be a hell of a game. The The thing that was interesting, they had 11,000 fans. I think yeah. the stadium that holds 24. 20? Oh, 24. 25. Yeah, 24. Yeah. A sweet stadium, too. Cool. Pretty cool stadium. looking stadium. One yeah. side of it. One side. Really cool. One side is a high school. But the stadium. other side's ready. Yeah. ready. Yeah. I mean, if, if they yeah. take off in the FBS. Oh, it's ready to get stuff. built. It's ready to be built on the other side. Yeah. Like you could, like we talk about programs that shouldn't go up 
They should. JMU 100% oh, yeah. should go up. I, they are in the location. They've got oh, the yeah. place. You know, yeah. they can do it. I think it's actually ridiculous when, when uh, Grizz fans look and they're like, look at JMU. They're doing it. It's like, it's like their athletic budget is twice what ours is. Yeah. Their and athletic budget is over $50 million. Dollars. Ours is 25-ish. So it's like. And the fundraising ability over there yeah. with all well, those people. Well, and like the student fee. The, I think we found out today that they get $40 million dollars. From student athletic the, the fees. student fee athletic fees. The Grizz get one. Did we talk Our about this on a pod a couple years revolt. weeks ago? Yeah. Oh, oh they I mean, would freak out. Yeah. Oh my god. They would kill people. Yeah. Like straight up. <laughs> like, I remember. I remember. My mom works in like that area of the university, and she used to always tell me kids would come in there and be like, "I don't even like sports. Why do I have to pay this?" Or like, "I'll never go to the rec. Why do I have to pay this?" And it's like, uh, "Wait till you have to pay taxes." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> I don't know what the crowd's going to be like. I bet. I hope it's going to be an ESPN2 night game. I, I bet they can get people up for this game. Like, if, if, our, if we had played Southeastern Louisiana this weekend, our crowd wouldn't have been 24,000. Like, when they were here, we got 14,000. So, I bet that they What well, weekend was that? Was that last, last weekend of hunting, though? No, it was the same weekend because we beat them in the – to go to the quarterfinals and lose. To oh Denver. yeah, so it was the same right. weekend. Okay, and I bet I bet we I mean, get uh, students are still students are still in session. I'm looking at their calendar right now. Finals week is next week, so it's not like kids are gone. Or they can't sell out. That's pathetic. They put eleven thousand people in twenty four thousand like, seat stadium. That's that's bad. Oh, their whole upper thing was empty. Empty. They yeah. had like like covers on it. But yeah, and I wonder if there's going to be a thousand Grizz fans there anyway. I bet Man, they'll be decent. I've heard of a handful of people going. You know who tweeted the Grizz fan pod that was very excited about this game? The Beaver family. Because Con the Beaver. Oh, yeah. From Virginia. From Virginia. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they're really excited. Awesome. The shortest game they've ever had to travel to, to see their son play. <laughs> Did they do any kind of charter? Did anybody hear anything about I that? I haven't heard anything on a charter. They've been tweeting oh, yeah. out that the Grizz have an allotment of tickets. It looks like it's really tough to get there. I was if like, you go to D.C. or Richmond or... D.C. or Richmond or um, Charlottesville, I think, or something. Yeah, Charlottesville. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, you can't fly right into Huntsville. Mm-hmm. Harrisonburg. I mean, Harrisonburg, apologies. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just... I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. Tough to get to. And flying east, especially in December, is you're dropping a 1000 bucks at the minimum. At least you get to go through the Minneapolis airport. Best <laughs> bathrooms. Of any airport I've ever been in. Oh. Yeah. If you're ever in the Minneapolis airport, go check out the bathrooms. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> Minneapolis? Yeah. I'll second that. Great bathrooms. Great bathrooms. <laughs> Privacy for, you know, in the middle of a giant airport. It's actually fantastic. I was blown away. Underrated. It was the first air- it was the first time I ever was on a plane. And it was to Minneapolis airport. That was right. You hadn't flown since. Like, I was like 26. Grizz, yeah. What? Yeah, I was 26. Because <laughs> I was going down to Lawrence, Kansas to cover the Grizz basketball <laughs> game. And my flight went through Minneapolis. I went to the the best airport I've ever been and the worst airport I've ever been. <laughs> Kansas City Airport, trash. Trash. <laughs> so you've been to two airports, though. Yeah. Well, I've been to more now. Oh, okay, I'm a okay. big time flyer now. I'm a consultant. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> the, the post-journalism world's been different for you. It's been weird. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So real quick, um, I want to run through the schedule. We don't need to talk about every game, but I mean, we'll... Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. So uh, they hosted Moorhead State, won 68-10. Non-scholarship um, school. Non-scholarship school. Hosted Maine, 155-7. to 
Maine's in the CAA, aren't they? Yeah, Maine's bad, but yeah. Um, went to Weber, won 37-24. Yep. The flip side of that is Weber's bad offense put up 24 points on him, Good even point. if it was garbage. With a backup quarterback. With a backup QB. Um, hosted then number 25 New Hampshire, 23-21. Uh, hosted – or. Excuse me, at New Hampshire. Hosted number 11 Villanova, lost 27-28 on family weekend. That's a bummer. We, we had one of those this year, too. Um, went to Richmond, won 19-3 against yeah. Richmond. Yep. Ranked at the time. No, not ranked at the time. Okay, never mind. Um, then went to Delaware, Delaware was which ranked was ranked at the time, 22-10. Uh, Elon, 45-21. Couple. Campbell, 51-14. Um, Bill at and Mary. number 25, William and Mary, 32-22. Versus Towson, 56-10. And that's southeastern Louisiana. And that's southeastern Louisiana. We are going to be the most complete team they've played this year. Yeah. I think that's very yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, yeah. I, I just think this game's a, just a giant toss-up. It's going to be fascinating to watch. I agree. They're probably going through our schedule and saying the same thing. Like, Southern uh, Utah? 2019? Dixie State? Good Lord. Like, what? Um, so, I mean, it's like, you know, take that for what it's worth. But uh, wouldn't you rather be in our position going into them being, like, battle-tested, like, hard battle-tested yeah. over the last two games than having to play, like, uh, what was it, Elon and Towson and Southeast, Southeast Louisiana? Louisiana? Just these cupcakes where as opposed to, like, Montana, you're getting up like for each of these games because it's your rival number one, and then your perceived rival number two. And in games that mean a lot, like you had a seed on the line against your rival, and then you have your life on the line against your second rival. Like I don't know, I just I would rather have that going into these games than having played these like cupcake teams personally. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think. The Grizz, the momentum that we carry into this game couldn't be higher. Mm-hmm. Like the oh, energy, right. the emotion, the confidence. Um, it feels like we're playing our best football. Mm-hmm. I, go ahead, Mike. No, I agree. I agree. A, a challenge could be we've played two highly emotional games in the last three weeks with the buy in between. Uh, we had a couple corners drop down late in that mm-hmm. Eastern game. Came back. Uh, I'm worried about our injuries. Yeah, yeah. So, um, can like we can get it for the Cats. We can get it for Eastern in a rematch, both at home. We're gonna have to do that same thing against an unfamiliar opponent. Not saying they can't, but just it's, it, it it poses a different level of challenge to the yeah. team. But I wonder if you don't even look at it as like the opponent. I wonder if you just look at it what is on the line. Do you want your season to keep going or do you want your season to end? That's a great point. Yep. I kind of think we're playing with house money now. Yeah. You know? Agreed. I can't say anything, but, you know, every year of Bobby Houck's tenure in this second run has been better than the last because, you know, that Eastern playoff win is more impressive than the Southeastern Louisiana playoff win was. We're going across the country to number three, JMU. We're playing with house money. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think these guys are having a lot of fun. I think they're going to be fired up. Yeah. The, I mean, maybe not the same emotions, but it's like, hey, 
it's going to be, a, there's going to be a big crowd. Let's go beat somebody in their house. Um, so I don't see that being an issue. I mean, I worry about injuries. I worry about just the defense being gassed from the emotion of the last two games. You know, when they were on the field for a hundred and what was it, fourteen? How many plays did Eastern run? Something. Hundred and two, uh, I think. Hundred and two. I mean, like a lot of plays. Yeah. A lot. Um so I mean I think I think that's interesting. Um The one thing what oh go ahead. I mean, so some of the things I, I think it is an excellent point. I think we are the most complete team they've played. Villanova is pretty close and they lost to them. They are probably the most complete team we've played. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think because yeah. I think they've got a much better defense than Eastern and a good offense. They, they've so. got a very good defense. Their offense isn't as good as Eastern's, but they're like just the balance of defense versus offense. They're the most complete team we have played, but they're the number two team in the country, the number right. three seed in the playoffs. Like we're at this point where everybody we play is good, yep. right? Um, yeah. So I think I think the biggest factor of this game, like we kind of talked about, this O line. If it continues to do the good things that it has done against, and now um, a great front seven, and Cam Humphrey. It's like because I think the O line, if they can help the running game, regardless if it's a junior, Xavier, Isaiah, whoever, um, but if Cam can continue to play the game he plays, because I think. There is definitely opportunity in the passing game. Their pass defense, they've got a good corner, but their pass defense, their safeties and the, their other corners are just not as great. There, There's opportunity. I noticed one of the teams they beat, uh, uh, Campbell, late in the season. The Camels. The are they? Fighting Camels. <laughs> Non-scholarship, I think, as well, too. Um <laughs> Pass from your team, the Camels. Can't get over where did home. you get? Where Campbell. did you get it just that rhymes, nickname? Right? Yeah, I don't know. What is that? Um, Camel like, passed for three hundred yards on him. So it's like some of these schools. Hmm. It, it's interesting. It, it, there's opportunity in the passing game, and so it's like, I think we've said this like three weeks in a row, two week, two games in a row. It's like Cam Humphrey needs to have the best game of his career. I think Cam Humphrey needs to have the best game of his career, and because I think the Sammy Cam and Mitch Roberts. And, and this passing game are going to have some opportunities. Um, interestingly, defensively, I, I, I see this being a lower-scoring game as well yeah. uh, just because I think both their defense is going to stymie our offensive line, which could slow the offense down for the Grizz. And flip side, I think our defense is something they've not seen before. So, um, And their kicker is first-team all-conference. He missed two easy chip in shots in the Villanova game, and he hasn't missed anything else since. <laughs> it's like he's like 48 for 50 or something crazy. <laughs> wow. I mean, not that much, but it's something crazy. Like, we got two damn good kickers, and they actually have a higher net average kickoff return than we do. So this is the first team, I think, that we've played that has a good special teams unit just like we do. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, you know, the special teams is going to be the difference. I mean, that could be that tipping point, and it'll be the interesting test for our coverage where we played a handful of Big Sky schools. Eastern Washington, they fair caught everything, right? They don't even have a special teams coordinator. Um, Villanova, uh, Villanova, James Madison prides themselves on special teams as well. And so there's a lot of things that we've not seen yet this season where I would assume 
is probably keeping our coaching staff up at night a little bit right now because it's they're good. They're, they're a damn good school. Outside of zoos, are there camels in the United States? So How fun, do you get to the name camels? Fun. I've just been stuck on this the whole time. <laughs> you know, there are no, I don't mean to no such the thing as Seahawks, and there's there's a couple teams that all have that hawks. Too, so true. Not every not everything makes sense. Fun UT story. Martin Skyhawks. All hawks are in the sky. <laughs> Every single hawk is in the sky. Except Sorry. for when they're on the ground. I don't know. Uh, so, I got sidetracked. Well, I was just thinking about camels. I mean, it just makes no sense. The Mullen, th- Mullen Trail. Captain John Mullen, who led. Yeah, camels? Uh, yes. Really? What? Yes. Wait, what, hold on. What is this? I have taken multiple Montana history classes, unless if current elected representative Willis Curdy of Missoula lied to me in high school, Captain John Mullen, when he led treks through Montana, oh, mid 1800s, late 1800s, could be, yeah, had been informed about the packing ability of camels versus horses and mules. Wow! So Captain John Mullen brought camels in, but the story from was where? like I don't know Egypt. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and uh, but the story was how did we get here? Can, you, no, I'm Campbell Campbell's. But the story was is a bunch got loose, and over the course of years, fur trappers, traders, and travelers would occasionally, rarely, but occasionally, see a camel in the Montana wilderness. Would they kill it? I don't know. Those bastards better not kill those camels. Well, no you camels let those camels roam free. <laughs> oh, my God. What if we just had herds of camels still? Can they operate in this climate? Well, oh, yeah. There's they, camels in uh, parts okay. of Afghanistan. Yeah. It snows there. Super cold. Yeah. Okay. There I you mean, go. There's your Montana history moment of the day. Well, sorry, uh, football fans, for completely derailing I everything. Think my apologies. Com- I wouldn't think they're Willis, Willis Curdy, what's his house district? Would be adapted I don't to our terrain. Oh, like, they're they're walking insane. Oh yeah, they can. Yeah, I think they're. I think they can. They're bovine creatures. I think. I think they can kind of. <laughs> they're good. Let's, uh, well, let's circle back. There's Pendroy penguins. I don't know. That's. A... <laughs> All We're right. not here for camels. All right, so let's real quick. Like, what do we need to do to 1860s. to win the game? Camels. We need camels. Camels. Let's camels. I think we first, Mike, <laughs> need to win the turnover battle. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Which is going to be tough for a team that they are plus 21 on the year. And we have to hit their quarterback. I think we have to hit. We've got to get home to the QB. I think that Sammy Kem needs a big game. He's going to be going up against their number one corner, uh, who's legitimately a great player, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, I think we need him to have a big game. You know, he kind of broke through. I would like to see them build on that. Yeah. I, I think we just need to pressure their quarterback and move him around and keep him off schedule. I think that's huge. I think we need to be creative and find ways to get Flowers and Bergen the ball. Yep. I think Cole Grossman. I mean, the thing about it is, like, we talk about our offense being average. There's so much talent. There's so much talent. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's why I've been so goes, frustrated. It all goes year. back to that question from the from the listener a while back. We were talking about just like how much of the struggles on offense is just not being able to have a consistent running game. But if we could have a consistent running game. I think they got to run at the outsides like they did against Eastern and get their linemen out a little Pulling bit more. I like center. that. Um, and we'll see. So we want to talk anymore? Are we ready to put, put predictions down? What do you want to do there? Only other thing I'd say is we've seen this in the playoffs is that 
teams that are just not familiar with us in conference and sees us on film as they're scouting other teams every other week sometimes underestimate some of our guys. So like you talked about, like Roberts and Akem and Bergen, um, and defensively, like like Ford and, and Robertson, um, O'Connell, Wellnell, Lewis. Um, if those guys can have that game where James Madison does not completely anticipate how damn good some of these guys really are, because they're not seeing it on film, as they're even studying opponents every other week. Uh, it can get some by surprise. We saw this in 2011. Like no one threw to Tremaine Johnson in the regular season. We got the playoffs, and everyone was like, "Hey, you know, like this is the play, and this is the read." And he had like three or three picks in like two games or something like mm-hmm. that, or three games. So it could be something where James Madison might underestimate a little bit of what we've got. And like I think Mike, that's a great point. Like Sammy and Cam, I I really wonder if they're like, "Oh, his numbers are down. He's down." He had a good game against Eastern, but uh, you know we're not really seeing this. And then the guy just goes off. I could see something like that for sure. So yeah. What do you think, Mike? I'm going last. <laughs> Kyle, what do you think? What do you think's happening this weekend? Do I have to give a score? No. Great. <sighs> if injuries, if we're good, if we're healthy on defense, I think we win. All right. We know Brent's picking against the Grizz because he already put on the Grizz. Do you want to talk about that anymore? God. Own it, Brent. Don't be a chicken. Brent. All right. So if the Grizz beat James Madison, we got to have Riley on next week, and he can just roast the shit out of me, okay? I feel like you might get more credence and forgiveness <laughs> for that. Yeah, I didn't pick him against Northern Colorado. That's true. You're welcome. It started this whole turnaround, guys. <laughs> whole thing. <laughs> I'm a catalyst. You are welcome. Luke. What? What's funny, I, I, I fear more that this is the end of the road for the Grizz, but after I kind of put that in the universe, and they're like, oh, our O-line's young, and our defense has, like, issues in the pass game, and blah, 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 and these guys are hurt, and this they had, like, a guy ejected for targeting that's not going to play for a half, and I'm like, I kind of start talking myself more into it, but... I am now, still... it, the guy ejected for targeting is not their stud. Oh, no, no. It was like special teams guy. Yeah. So, uh, not the 5'10 guy. Um, so, yeah. I, I'm still on the negative side of this approach. All right. Unfortunately. Luke. I think the Grizz win this game. I think it's going to be like something like 28 21. Yeah. Um, I think we get. I think we win the, the the field position battle is going to be key for us. Um, we might even have to get a defensive touchdown. I don't know that they're going to have as much success offensively um, as they're used to. Yeah. And their quarterback is going to have to ball out. Um, I think it's just going to be really, 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 really hard for him to make throws like he's used to because he's going to have one of our linebackers in his face, Patrick, Patrick O'Connell in his face every play. Um, I I don't know. I think this, I think we have a special team and even though UW didn't prepare for us, I mean, this defense has a swagger that's just different. Yeah. I agree with that. I think the unknown like until you face the way we play defense, and it's an interesting one—a three-three-five. Yeah, I don't think teams can adequately prepare for it. I think that they could talk about how they blitz a lot and stuff like that, but I how I think the turning point in the game is how does James Madison deal with that? If yeah. they can cut yeah. off our, you know, if we don't get home, 
they'll win. That's my opinion. Yeah. I think we're going to get home, though. I think that, that he is a good QB, but he's not as mobile as some. I mean, he might be able to move on us a little bit. He scored six rushing touchdowns, so he's not like no, he's no. not Peyton Manning. But um, <laughs> um, I think that we're going to get home. I think that if you look at their schedule and look at their results, when they've played better teams, they haven't done as well on offense. Mm-hmm. So the question then becomes, can we put enough together on offense to offset that? You know, we talked a lot in the last several weeks about we need to finish. We're this close. Well, we started finishing. Yeah, we did. And if Cam can distribute the ball and find find the guys, we've got them. And I think that we need to find ways to get Bergen and Flowers the ball in space. I think we need Sammy Akem to to build on that game. Roberts is clutch. And Kroll Grossman, I think, is going to be a mismatch for them. I think he's talented, and I think he's coming into his own. So not only are we going to win – we're going to win by double digits. Oh. Do we have any sound effects for that? We used to have lasers. Bomb drop? This is a high-class operation here. <laughs> we need a soundboard. This is good stuff. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. Um, you know, I was getting uh, harassed at QB Club tonight by some of the guys because I wasn't going to the game so now when yes. i go to bed tonight i'm going to try and rework my whole life to see if i can figure it out yes seems guy. unlikely yes that one guy he's like i'm going i was like oh yeah how much you pay he's like 12 1200 like, why do you think we're not going <laughs> 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 sorry get the delta miles out <laughs> my sister tried to talk me into it my sister lives in dc one of our good buddies lives in dc oh yeah one of your best friends lives there yeah did uh is it okay, do you think, to share uh, Coulter's travel schedule? Yes. yes. Coulter, Nuana, the Skyline's board, is going to cover both okay. games live. So here, Coulter texted Mike and I. You probably got this too, right? He Kyle? told me last night, yeah. So Coulter is leaving the Missoula Airport at 1130. Thursday. 1.30 on Thursday. Uh, Minneapolis, then goes to D.C. He has an Airbnb. Uh, it says he's taking an Uber, so I'm going to guess somewhere in D.C. Yeah. Uh, rental car drives to Harrisonburg. What at the game that night goes to Baltimore, and then um, in the morning flies from Baltimore to Houston. Gets sleeps to Houston, at the airport. Sleeps at the airport. Gets to Houston, but at ten fifteen a.m. direct flight. Rental car, three hour drive to Huntsville. Gets a power nap in because the cats play that night. Sam Houston, 7.30 uh, against Cats. Does that game. Crashes. Gets up at 7 a.m. Drives back to Houston. So what's that drive time? Three-hour drive. And then at noon, uh, flies to Vegas. Has a little stretch in Vegas. Back home in Missoula that night, 9.30 p.m. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> he left out the Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is? What, oh how is he going to do this? He's so brutal. Oh my he's god! So brutal. I mean, he, he was texting Mike and me. I'm sure he was. He was just like, "Oh, you got to come." I was like, "Man." Yeah, he tried to talk me into going, and I was Dude, like, like, "I was like, I don't sounds, think I could do that." That sounds amazing. I told him I, I would, didn't want to do his because a buddy of mine and I were going to. We we talked about going to the Grizz game, and then driving to Philadelphia. And watching the Warriors 76ers game on Sunday oh, and nice. then flying back to Missoula. But uh, it's the f- basketball tickets are like 250 bucks. Flights, Flights like a grand. Yeah. I was like, I just yeah. no. can't justify it. Can't do it. 
Well, we'll see what happens. There is a GSA tailgate, so if you manage to get yeah. down there, I've been told there's a GSA tailgate. So say hi to the Beaver family. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> I bet. I bet we show up pretty well. I, I bet that. There, I think so. There's a lot of Grizz for fans considering on the East how Coast. far we have yeah. to go. If you have 300 fans there, you 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 showed up pretty well, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of Grizz fans on the East Coast that don't really have the opportunity to travel to watch their team play often. Mm-hmm. And I bet you'll get a bunch of them that want to go. Is Laz going to go? He hasn't decided yet. If he can make it work, is my understanding. He sure. didn't say anything today, did he? In that, I, don't I don't think, think so. so yeah. But I think he bought a ticket. Good. Does, I guess he does have a pretty busy job. Oh, I just texted him. It's only 159 there. So we'll see if he responds. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> let's uh, get to these questions from listeners. And no offense any listeners. We're going to fly through these because this has been a long pod. I'm tired. Luke's tired. Kyle's I care, ready to go. I don't care about Brent. And Kyle is wondering what, what the, the hell fuck? he signed up to. <laughs> All I was right. thinking about I, cracking this last beer, honestly. Yeah, well, go for it. <laughs> no, I got I Twitter up. Else. All right. No, oh, well, I mean, you, when you see how many questions we have, right. you'll realize. Hang on, Mike. Let, let me do Egros this time, okay? okay? Or you got Twitter. You want to start with Twitter? You got sure. it? Yeah. All right. Um, Montana Parlay says, when will James be starting his own competing podcast with his friends? And when that time comes, will Father Mike be upset or will he happily be a guest? 100% I'll be a guest. James used to want to be a YouTuber. This has gone away a little bit. Every little kid wants to be a YouTuber. For a while, he and his buddy, um, Nolan, who is Eric Tabor's nephew, um, uh, were posting videos on YouTube of them flipping cups and then talking about like how to shoot a basketball or something like that. It seems to have gone away, though. He was also posting TikToks of him just whooping up on <laughs> you're right yeah uh, on madden, like right? madden on madden, opponents yeah. on like really? on stacy's tiktok, on Stacey's yeah. TikTok. Yeah. and i was like <laughs> what he really was yeah <laughs> there was like a random day i was like scrolling through tiktok and you're like you know it's like oh this one has like a hundred thousand likes and this one has seventy thousand likes and there's one it's like this has like two likes <laughs> and i was like i was like some kid playing madden and like the account was like your wife so I was like <laughs> how the fuck did tiktok tell me this <laughs> Oh, Lord. So, yeah, I'll definitely be supportive when the time comes. We'll happily be guests. The evolution of professions. Yeah. I, I want to be a YouTuber. I'm going to be a YouTuber. Kyle, I swear, every elementary every kid, and middle every schooler. Kid oh, that's And me, you I see know. what some of those YouTubers are making, and you can understand why. My girlfriend's why. an elementary school teacher. She tells me about all this All I do, all yeah. Crap. <laughs> all right. Shane, a regular uh, regular engager, engager on uh, the Grizz Fan Pod Twitter. Yeah. Is it just me, or does it now really feel like a Bobby team for the first time, where the end yeah. of the year comes around, they're better than they've been all year, and we can win 13-7 or 57-41? Yeah. I think we'd all agree with that. That's a great I point. Think, I thought we kind of felt like it last year. I'm I not going to lie. No, I, I would agree with that, too. Like, we, we, we kind of built it and, and peaked and then kind of lost to Weber, but was, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think like I was saying earlier, I think the Eastern playoff win is better than the Southeast Louisiana mm-hmm. playoff win, so it's like you feel like you're going in the right direction. But absolutely, they've mm-hmm. peaked at the end. So mm-hmm. the culture's definitely changed. Absolutely. All right. Uh, old buddy Zach Lord says, last Chris game I was able to go to was the 2019 quarterfinal game in Ogden where he found my tailgate. Brent was with me. Um, he right. says he may be able to get off work Friday to drive a short seven hours from where he now lives. Um in the armed services, Zach, so thanks for your service, but he moves around a lot. Um uh he wants to know if JMU's tailgate scene will be better than Weber's. 
It'll be thirsty. <laughs> yes, it will. It yes. will be so much better yes. than Weavers. Yeah, well, there's a GSA tailgate, so first of all. I don't think we were technically allowed to tailgate at that game. I, I mean, I, I... Did they not allow beer? Nobody stopped us, but it, like you look around and it you was felt like upon. there were... It was interesting. But clearly there were people drinking, so I don't know. My goodness. Could you imagine going to a tailgate and they're like, uh, please... Please pour out all alcohol. Is there caffeine in that soda? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. It was. I, I. It was just an interesting. Like we and we didn't know the rules and we didn't look. And I'm not, not trying to make fun of. I mean, I, I just. You didn't get the vibe. We didn't know. Like you got the vibe. Like yeah. All right. Day Day Mart wants to know if we're going to Virginia. I Doesn't wish. sound like it. We wish. If we had camels, what we, what would. we need camels. is for somebody in the Grizz Fan Pod universe. Who has access We've asked and compensation <laughs> to a private plane to be willing to take us? You could come with us. I think Jim Messina's got those connections. I was just going to say, Jim, <clears throat> Jim let's figure it out. <clears throat> How about um, a Denny Washington fellow? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Come on, pal. All the above. All right. Um, Casey Oman says, Jamie will be the best and most complete team the Grizz have faced this season, yep. even with the inconsistent offense. Grizz are improving. With that being said, do you agree that the Grizz will be the best and most complete team JMU has faced? We all said yes. Interestingly, a JMU fan tweeted at us and said yes. He answered that question for us. All right. So there we go. Did you tag that linebacker in it? No. <laughs> all right. Uh, Brad, real Brad. On stop. On stop. Yeah, I always want to add an extra space. In his Get game. it on stop. Where, oh, there we go. Um, where does the game rank in your favorite Grizz games list? Give us your top five games. Also, please give us more night games. That shit was amazing. Um, I, we actually didn't dive into this, and I don't know that we can do it justice. But do a deep dive. I think, I I mean, the atmosphere and the playoffs and 24,000, I mean, it's, it's in one of my top three or four playoff games at Washington Grizz, I think. But then it's like you look back on all the semifinals they won to go to national championships. Yeah. But it's like this one's going to be tough to beat. Like yeah. I feel like I almost have to separate by um, era of my life. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's it, a very good point. You know, when we played App State in the snow, that was a great. I game. was just in a different spot in my life. I was in the student but, section, yeah. damn near blackout, like. I'm not even sure if I remember the game or have <laughs> seen it, and I'm now remembering what I, like I'm creating memories. Um, so in my adult life, like I feel like I'm kind of roughly a, an approximation of who I'm going to be probably forever. Um, unfortunately, uh, so, <laughs> you know this might be the like the best game of my like adult adult life. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to say break it up because I initially thought back to like the first ones and the, being young. Yeah. Um, but being older, I would say like this is like, it's definitely up there with the cat game. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cat game was great too. North Dakota State game was great. That one's a little bit different because, I mean, it was awesome. It was early in the season. It was great to get the win, national exposure kind of crazy way so i guess maybe it wasn't that different and recency bias is tough but man the last two weeks have been man yeah a lot of fun i still think i mean the app state was the single best game i've ever seen that stadium it's so many reasons in terms of talent on the field weather implications all of it um 
But I was talking to someone about this too. Like this is like our third revenge playoff game, and we've won all three of them. Weaver in 08, Sam Houston in 04. I think that was it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, those two, we beat the crap out of them. <laughs> like the game wasn't even that 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 intense. So with this one, granted, we we put it to Eastern, but I think there was just being a conference and the atmosphere and the trash talking atmosphere. We came back ramp up. Yeah, I mean, I can think of a lot of. I still go. Someone there was something someone was tweeting at me like the '94 McNeese State playoff game. Um, I mean, some of the playoff games. It, it was kind of funny too. Like you can think back. What was the Stephen F. Austin game? And was it was it '95? Yeah, to was go to the where it was like it was like, and everyone was like, "This is gonna be tough. This is gonna be tight." I think there's a picture in the paper of this SFA players building snowmen in Washington Grizzly Stadium, and they're like, "They're not afraid of the snow," and we just. Boat raced them. 70 to 3. Or oh, something. my God. You know, so yeah. it's just like there, there's like so many – but I don't know. This one is right up there. Yeah. it's a good yeah. question. Yeah. So follow-up to that, uh, buddy Jared asks, which stadium experience was more intense for you guys as fans, the Bobcats or the Eagles? This, I think this one was. I think night games are just different. Yeah. yeah. I think night games just bring a different element to it. It's like dark, and like there's something about that where like when you're in a tailgate and you Honest. can see everything that's around you <laughs> – because it's light, it's like okay. But when it's dark and you're like, things could be out there. <laughs> like it's I don't so, know. There's just it's something so weird tough about that. Because yeah. yeah, one's a night game and that changes it. And the Dewar yeah. is the playoffs. But man, that that, that Montana guy. State game, like I, I, consistently excited noise. I don't know that I've been in it, the stadium like that, and I don't think that this touched that consistent no, noise level. No. But there is something that you brought, Kyle, like that. Just like the visualness of the night game, yeah. Like you literally can't see anything. You can't see that pretty M or the no. blue sky. You know, it's like it's, it's just it's the only thing you can see. Yeah. is like the experience of the game. Um, which, if I was a more poetic speaker, I think you know someone super talented could make that sound like really saucy. But it's kind of. Fun. But you're right. That's it. It is like you can't see anything on the horizon. Like, you can't see across the river. You can't you, see, like... You're, like, almost more present. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough one. I, the, the thing that struck me is... I talked about after the Montana State game how much I needed that win. And uh-huh. it's like, we know them. Like, you know, we, we know cats. We have them in our lives every day. You know, it's like... So it's like, you know, it's such a part of, like, that's the Mo- a Montana thing. Eastern's a little bit different to me, where it's like, we don't know as many of them. I, I almost hate them differently. <laughs> if that makes sense, yeah. like I, the cat stuff is bragging rights for the state, and they could not talk crap, talk crap, whatever, and it doesn't matter. It's like you want to beat the cats because it's bragging rights for the state. You know, we got people in our offices, yada yada yada. Eastern, I just find their fan base kind of whiny. Um, <laughs> there's some exceptions. We do. Oh God, Brent, that was some of that crap. Like we copy a lot of other stuff too. No, we do. We're, um, not, look, we're not the original. Brent's out there getting fights, getting in fights with the Weaver fan base. There's a the Eastern fan base. There's a lot of cats. There's week. a lot of Eastern fans that I have enjoyed getting to know. Yes, but I mean, just agreed. like this, kind of like we're better than you, and you've been terrible for ten years. Sort of vibe that they come from, and the whole like the athletic department embracing like the trash talk. Like I can't imagine Montana or Montana State ever. Embracing a player calling out, oh yeah, another team. Yeah, I just can't. 
so you know that kind of fed a little bit of a like gosh i want the grizz to show them and they did so it was rewarding i don't think i can answer this question i think the other part about it at least for me is that the cat game was two days for me it was friday and it was saturday Mm. and it was sort of on slow motion because it was two days and because it was a lot of consumption (laughs) The cat, the this last playoff game was like fast forward because it was like work ends, four o'clock game, game is time. seven o'clock. So it's like well, I was already everything is fast. Four o'clock. Oh, everything for me was yeah. just so fast where it was like I could barely get like my bearings straight. Whereas like the cat game just felt like it was just everything was slow motion for me. So man, it was fun. like the cat game. I mean, there was like a lot to do, and it was a noon kickoff. I mean, like for tailgates and pregame and all this and. Get up and set this up and get up super early. Yeah. And the Eastern game, I felt like I had all day to think about it, and I got like more and more nervous and distracted, and I like had work I had to attend to, and it was just like it was in the back of my mind, and I was so nervous about the game the whole day. Man, though, yeah, it's it's hard to answer. It's it's it's, but like the Cats are a rival, and we dropped four in a row to them over five years. where Eastern, we beat them in 2019. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, yeah, it's tough. I got a personal lean. I mean, my daughter came with me um, to the, the cat game, and she had been with me by herself only to one other game, which was the Cal Poly night game where we wore the slate gray and Cal Poly kicked a field goal and beat us at the end so, and she was a lot younger and she was a lot too. younger <laughs> so uh she and i had just a blast at that game she's a freshman in high school now so like there was a lot more kind of understanding about what you're at so it's just like that experience is like a father to um and she laughed at me especially when justin ford picked up that <laughs> <laughs> and she just thought i was just my dad is crazy um and we got so to just, try gumbo yeah, nice. without Andouille sausage, but yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> End of the day, yeah, it's all right. It was still damn good. So it's just hard to compare the two. Yeah. So much for flying through that question. Yeah, I know, but it's just worth talking about. It is. Oh, it is. Those it really are the good is. ones. Yeah. All right, uh, Chris Caprio. Okay, mm. so Chris Caprio Chris is Caprio? a follower. Of... He has two followers now. Yeah, and he's a he's a he seems like a good dude. Yeah, yeah. Andrew Schmidt tweeted at coach stit after flowers jet sweep and said hey how about that coach stit not over tongue of cheek or whatever this guy responded and was like he only ran that play once when he was here coach stit responded to him murdered him like it was one of the better (laughs) public responses he's like actually we read it 14 times i just wanted you and your one follower to know Chris has been a good sport about it, you know, yeah. responded and all this stuff. So his question is, after my attempted murder by Coach Stitt, as proof of life, I'd like to ask what will the key to pressuring the JMU QB, QB, the QB be? The ex- they have excellent receivers, and disrupting the passing game might give the Grizz the edge. I think the key is that their O-line is kind of inexperienced. Yep. And I don't think they've dealt with anything like this. How do they respond? Now, they could. I mean, JMU recruits great. They could respond great. And, and that's the thing. They're going to be blocking six to seven guys. Mm-hmm. So our five to six-man blitz, they'll have enough to pick it up. But can they handle the way we disguise and, and yep. mask? And, and that's going to be the big thing. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, Luke Rounds, is it possible that the officials from the OVC are worse than the big sky? I'm still blown away by the lack of holding calls. And then uh, Jeremy Robinson replied to that and said, follow-up, has anyone ever seen 80 pass attempts without a single holding call? No. Uh, no. Yes, no. they're worse than the big sky, I think. And no, we haven't seen that. Shout out to Luke Rounds, uh, another new QB club member today. All so right. Cool. Nice work. Um, all right. Uh, Kyle Dyrud, I've never wanted someone to score more than Jace on that fumble, but he got tired and was caught. <laughs> what would you say would each of your 40 times, or would you be able to make it the full 40? I mean, I could make it the 40, but what's the slowest 40 time recorded for someone who finished it? That's mine. Oh, Wait. Maybe we should figure this out for a future challenge. Oh, my God. I, I will pull uh, something. Can I not be on that pod? <laughs> oh. Ten worst 40-yard dash times. I am good. Oh, I feel like I could go under six seconds, which isn't super impressed. Like, it, that's not something you break about. Luke, I'd be impressed. But Isaiah, Isaiah Thompson, 2011 NFL Combine, six seconds. That is the worst 40 time. I could, At the combine. I think I could go under six. I won't go under five five. How much time do we get to prepare? <sighs> if I could hit the gym for like three months, I could get under six. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna, like a month of it's going to be recovering from injury. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stretch those hamstrings. From the, I was going to say from the hamstring. I pulled. How, yeah. <laughs> I more or less pulled a hamstring playing indoor kickball with James's <laughs> baseball team in the spring. <laughs> it was hilarious. And uh, now anytime we go into the Central Gym, one of our other coaches, um, the, the uh, Butte guy coach, John, is always like, you have a little PTSD in here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Perfect. Like I said, fifth string, fifth string coach. Mac Daddy. All right. Um, it, Cody Eck wants to know, if the Grizz managed to put together a championship run, who do you think will be the most likely opponent? SDSU. South Dakota State. South Dakota State. Yeah. Or, yeah, South Dakota State. I, I, yeah. Or Sam Houston. Yeah, I think those two most likely. All right. Uh, Silver Trip Nation. Um, who's more ignorant? Cat fans who think their 19-point win over checks notes. UT Martin is more impressive than Grizz 60-point win over Iwu. Or Iwu fans who think the Grizz had to play dirty to win and the Grizz fans are classless for checks note booing Eastern Washington during the game. Silver Tip makes great points yeah. all around. I think it stands on its own. Um, I think they're... Both ignorant in different ways. There is a cat fan on one of the FCS national Facebook pages hammering how it's poor sportsmanship of the Grizz fans to boo them fair catching the ball. It's like, my God, do you not get like the whole, I mean, just get out of here. But, and also the, the irony of Eastern Washington talking about anybody being classless for anything after the way they it's like it's it's like we talked about it's like you embrace the talk they invited it you invited it you can't be upset when it happens yeah like it's just not the way it works well just don't make fun of the cats storming the field for their favorite win uh because a whole bunch of their 21 to 22 year old students will tweet at you fyi I think, I think they were favored in that game. They're favored. They stormed the yeah. field in the game. They're favored to win. All right. Silvertip also says if you could have one physical evolutionary asset of any animal, example, a kangaroo patch or a badger claws, which would you choose? Why? And what kind of hijinks would you pull with your newly acquired? Luke, I'm going to give this question to you. Yeah, this is a Luke question. Oh, my goodness. 
Any animal. Any animal. So, um, this is going to be construed in, in a real negative way, I can tell. But what animal has like a venom, venom that just knocks people out? Oh, like, like uh, that doesn't kill them. Oh, so there's like spiders and stuff to do that, yeah, right? Sure spiders, right, like yeah. a puffer Snakes. fish that can like. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like like a sea anemone. Jesus, this is not where I thought an this enemy? was going. Yeah, I think it would be really fun to have the ability <laughs> to like make like makes like it would be really funny. I think in college to effectively just like roofie a friend. But not, you know, to do any, like, Bill Cosby stuff. Yeah. And he said, a friend. So A friend. Just... Right. Like, just, like, just like, hey, bud. And then they're just out. Like, that would be kind of funny. And then they wake up, and you've hit There's Sharpie all over their face. Right. Like, that would kind of be fun. I don't want to pick speed or, like, the jumping ability of, like, a puma. Like, that's lame. I want a true hijinks. I want um, a roofie a friend. Roofie a friend. Yeah. God, this is terrible. I mean, I hope that the listeners can understand the context of what you're talking about. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, somebody won't. Somebody won't. Well, all right. David Coy asks a good question about the the targeting sequence. We talked about it, but it was a great question about was that a turning point? Uh, Jamie, yes. Jeremy Robinson wants to know, do you think Barry will get a shot at the NFL or the CFL? No. I don't think he'll get a shot at the NFL. I could see a team working him out, but I don't think – and maybe the CFL. But the problem, I think, with Barry is what makes him so special is his ability to escape. But that's not going to be there against faster no. linemen. No. And I think that's – he's going to really struggle at the next level. Like I would be surprised if this is the last – Organized football game he plays at maybe, a level maybe a CFL. I mean Vernon Adams got up there. Dalton Sneed. I don't know. We'll had see. A chance to get up there. We'll see. COVID had other. Cole Berkowitz made it up there. We'll Berkowitz. see. Maybe. I think Perry could get a CFL chance. All right. All right. Um, we've been at this so long. The timer on the light just went off. All right. We're sitting on. Two hours, 40 minutes. Oh, we know the officiating was interesting oh, yeah. all night both ways. Like, but did it. you notice on the rough and the kicker that the guy to the right of the center wasn't set? He was moving down to a three-point stance at snap. Well, Does I he didn't. have to be set? I nope, he should have been set. Should have been a penalty. Whatever. That was a terrible call. That. Jake Gareth says, do you feel the atmosphere was better at the CAC game or the Eastern game? We already asked Let's that. Go over that one more time? I got you. He says, driving all the way across the state is just not feasible multiple times a year. He lives in city from Cindy, Sydney from Plentywood. Jake, I learned how to drive in Plentywood at a farm. My aunt and uncle lived there for years and years. I bet you know each other. Um, Adam Eakness says, what was with the look from Bobby at the end of the press conference today? Did he have more to say? I haven't watched today's press conference, so we might have to watch that and we'll answer you. I doubt Bobby had more to say at a press conference. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. Eric Witz has a CDA hypothetical, but we just don't have time for it. So save it, Eric. Submit it again. Um, Mike wants to go to bed. Adam Hickness says, do we just lock Jamie Refuse in one-on-one and go hunting with the front seven? Mm. I Wait, what think, did he say? Does, do we lock the receivers one-on-one and just keep hunt everybody else front seven? Well, I mean, that's... Depends on our corner. Kind yeah. of our I mean, it's defense. kind of what we do a lot yeah. of the times. We're not totally all in one-on-one, but like, it ends up that way a lot. Yeah, it does. Yeah. 
Uh, somebody pointed out that's what we did to MSU. I mean, I definitely think that's the route we go and see. Yeah, and I know. think they'll they'll drop D linemen into coverage sure. and do do that. Thing. And we've said this enough. They're way more dangerous in passing game than MSU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, way Nine more. Day. Nine day. All right, Gabe SWH says thoughts on number God one damn. doubling down. We talked about this. All um, these questions. Did the play really do the talking? I mean, sure, but they lost. So yeah. Womp, womp. yeah. Um, is this the, the most Eric chippy Curry. you've seen the Grizz team play? No. Not at all. No. no. But I think it's the most 0809 teams were very, very Yeah, I was going to say, I think Bobby kind of talked to QB Clip tonight. It's nice to see them back to getting to that level where it's like they play. They're getting there. Yeah, the edge. You can get tickets for tonight for the JMU game. You can go to the Montana ticket office, and there will be a link that you can send you to the – JMU ticket office, and it's section seven, I read. All right, Chip Lukes wants to know, flipped the cat game this weekend. UT Martin could hear the Eat Shit Grizzlies chant. Do you guys think the fans actually knew the opposing team was? This seems like it would be confusing for UT Martin. Um, my <laughs> thing on this, along the same line. <laughs> UT Martin's like, like the fans are like, like, what the fuck what, is, going who on? is this? Um, and they do it in the Moni Moni song, so they do it every game. But my thing is I've really enjoyed – calling out the hypocrisy of MSU fans on yeah, Twitter yeah. when they like to talk about the fan base of the Grizz being DBs or whatever, you know. It's like you literally like one guy literally has FTG in his handle and he, and he is mad. talking about how the Grizz fans are douchebags. And it's like do you see the irony here? <laughs> like I I don't know. I mean, we very rarely do you ever even hear the Bobcats mentioned at a Grizz game. Never. Unless the Bobcats are embarrassing themselves and they announce the score yeah. and you'll get poor Bobcats. Yeah. That's it. I mean, it's great that you've got your fun song and all this stuff, but enjoy it. I just, you know, like focus a, on the Grizz when you're playing the Grizz. Get another hobby. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you are have problems with one team talking trash about another team, your rival... Yeah, get another hobby. This isn't. I just some of the stuff that we've seen online, like people criticizing the Grizz fans booing the guy for fair catching. I think that's awesome because they the Grizz fans want him to try and return it. Like that is sport. Get into art where people don't (sighs) criticize subjective things, right? Like do something. Get out. Get out of sports. Yep. And that is it for Twitter, Brent. My God. Hey, do you Mike, think I appreciate our fans? <laughs> I do too. Thanks for sending us questions. Luke, <laughs> what kind of chant would a cat fan say if they did not like a piece of art? They'd be like, "Eat shit, Monet, go engineering." Uh, <laughs> it just doesn't work. <laughs> they don't appreciate art anyways, right? Yeah. yeah. So the eagers' questions generally cover a bunch of topics that we've already gone over. So uh, just want to um, credit. The people that ask questions, 503 Grizz, uh, did point out Montana has only won two playoff games on the road, uh, 95 at Marshall, and then 2008 at JMU. Man, I didn't realize it's only two. There was a big stretch where they'd point out that Bobby Howe coached teams, especially their seasons ended on the road yeah. in the postseason. Uh, asking what the defense needs to do to maintain its intensity away from the stadium. Uh, I think we've kind of covered that. Yeah. Uh, strength of schedule talk. A couple of points on strength of schedule. Toff was had his question there for James. Um, let's see, Grizz fan oh seven. Um, do we think the Grizz are playing their best football right now? Yes. Seems yes. Like it. I yep. mean, offensively, 
Defensively, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, PDX is wondering if JMU will get over 15,000 fans. Yes. I would think so. I would hope I so. I hope so. Yeah. I hope it's loud. Yeah. Uh, Kramer, it was interesting. It was like, why didn't Childs play? Um, he was healthy. Yeah, I, I really just, wondered about that. It seemed a lot, but, I mean, so was Xavier Jr. So, I think Childs was the third option. So, yeah. that's just the way it goes. Okay, Everett, asking the real questions. Katie Nolan or Mina Kimes? Note. In what sense? You you pick. Uh, note. This can be for Luke only. If the pod wives actually listen to the whole thing, they're not listening. It's right Katie now. Nolan. It is. It's Mina Kimes. Absolutely, Katie Mina Nolan. Kimes. Uh, Mina Kimes. What? Oh, I love it's Katie Mina Nolan. Kimes. As a Forty Nine er fan, you're picking the Seahawks. I love her. Wow. I mean, here's she I actually. Jimmy, she's she's straight up mean to Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my girl. She's not wrong. I actually, I actually think they're both very. Um, they're awesome. Awesome to listen to talk yeah. sports. Yeah. Like I think they both do a very good job. Agreed. Um, Mina Kimes, like I found her on Twitter several years ago, and she was talking sports, and it was all great. And then I found out she was a Seahawks fan. She's hilarious she too. Me. She's very but, funny. But Katie Nolan is a Red Sox fan, so I really struggle with both of them. Mm-hmm. Katie Nolan's like a gamer, though. If either one of them wanted to come on the pod, okay, awesome. What if you throw Sarah Spain into the mix? Still, Mina, Mina's my girl. Okay. Yeah, I would be me oh, or Katie. Oh, man. See, as a Packer fan, Sarah Spain's a Bears fan. Makes mm. it tough, but Sarah's my girl. This is hard, actually. Sarah talked to Sean Rainey last year on a much more serious oh, yeah. topic. Oh, yeah. In the Montana Sports World. That's I texted right. Sean. I was like, dude. Did you get her number? <laughs> <laughs> he probably did. He did. Um, okay. The people talked about uh, well, Turning Point. Uh, who was that? Uh, U of M man. Um Alabama Grizzly. Did any of us go to the 08 JMU game? I didn't. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, difference? Is it safe to say safe to show their tailgate or will they get spit on? Alabama Grizzly, I think, is maybe going to the game. I think it would be just fine. I think JMU fans generally are pretty good people. Yeah, the ones we've interacted with seem kind of excited to be hosting Montana, and I think that it's kind of like a last, like, hey, we're they want to win because it's like, hey, you're staying here, we're going up. I think there's so, enough history between the two teams, too. I mean, JMU won their first national championship against Montana yep. in 2004 on what, a field that fell apart. What a bunch apart. of BS yeah, that was. That was Terrible trash. field. Um, and if replay exists, existed <laughs> right. then, it would be a Montana we national championship. And you um, guys can say whatever you want over there. I had a group of friends go to that I game. I was going to get spit on. I had a group of friends go to that game. I had a friend that did not make it in the game. Uh, they were out and about in the tailgates. My parents went to that game, too. and uh, But so a bunch of my buddies were there. And one of my friends, then JMU tailgates, they, at this point, 2004, so we're talking a little while ago, very welcoming. Hey, Montana, come in, have a beer, have a drink, whatever. And so one of my buddies, Charles, um, gets to a tailgate, and they're like, oh, Montana, blah, 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 you can't drink like us. And he's like, what do you got? And they're like, bring it on, buddy. We got Mezcal with the worm in it, you know, and all that. And so it's like a small bottle. So my, our, my buddy Charles... Drank the whole bottle. He's like, give me the bottle. Oh, my Boom. God. Pounded it? Pounded it. Gives it back. No. Gives it back. Charles. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. You've met Charles. You guys have all met Charles, I mm-hmm. think. Um, I know who you're yeah. about. Charles got, me, Charles got me in trouble. In a, yeah, anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I get a phone call from my buddies, Tailgate, about 45 minutes before kickoff. You can hear Charles in the background. Charles doesn't know what planet he's on. 
So this is a story. Um, Mike, I know you're trying to go to bed. No, I'm good. Um, they're outside. So this is the national championship, and it's being played. This is still – where was it being played at that point? Uh, uh, Chattanooga. 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 So they're in the tailgate, and it's obvious Charles is having problems. And so my buddies uh, retell this story to me that um, they put a sticker on his head. Charles is a bald man. This is like go Grizz. So he's got a big round sticker on the top of his head. And he takes a few steps because he's got to go to the bathroom or something. And he just hits the deck. He's down. He's done. They say he's like in a shallow grave. He's like in this grass area with a few little trees. And it's like 10 minutes to kick off. And the hotel's like a few minutes away. And of course, it's Chattanooga. It's not like a Grizz game. Like, you can still like get plays and stuff. They're like, damn it. We got to get Charles back to the hotel. So they get him back to the hotel. They like throw him in the car. They get in the car. They race back to the hotel. They drag him up and they throw him on the bed and he bounces off the bed and he hits the wall and you know like it's the the bed against the wall and he like falls in a little crevice between and they're like are you okay and he's like uh, I'm good so they leave. Take <laughs> 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 a bottle. And they they get to the game. They'd missed like five minutes. You know the game is the game, and so of course it's so far. So this is like. We're 23-24, right? So, um, bummed about the game. I get a phone call at whatever it is, like 2 in the morning, so 4 a.m. East Coast. It goes to voicemail. And I get this voicemail where they're like, yeah, so we lost. We're just getting back to the hotel. And I hear my buddy Charles. And they're they're like, Charles is alive. Don't worry. And then I hear him in the background. He's like in the bathroom. And he's like, did we win? And they're like, no, nah, we lost. <laughs> we oh. still tease him about things. But yeah. Went all the way to the game. Didn't make it in. Oh, that's it's yeah, a rough poor one. Charles. Yeah, poor Charles. But, uh, okay. Uh, Poe Rouge is wondering why we have not monetized the pod yet. He actually had a like, pretty good idea. Yeah, no, he did. Um Flathead Grizz. Sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. And there's debate on how many listeners we get. We know what our download numbers are, but then there's like a multiplier and Brent's numbers seem a little high to me. We're getting we're ah. getting we're getting into the good the good uh what, what do you think it is? Um, six thousand to seven thousand. It's my, wow. my guess. I'm concerned. I was I would have been so nervous had I known that. Because our downloads are well into the four figures, which oh is why it blows us away. I'm concerned that someone's <laughs> gonna try to tell me I can't drink and curse. Oh fuck that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I so doing it again. There's like, there's like, weird, there's like weird things that like makes you kind of think like the pod is definitely like getting more spread. Like I talked about like Boom Sheeny and Money Macias. Like so we Boom started Sheenie, those. Money Macias. Boom Sheeny took off way easier than Money Macias. Well, I think way. you'd already established Bullshit. credibility, Brent. We just I got asked at a gas station two weeks ago if we're gonna have a three hour pod by someone I've never met, and at my tailgate in the Eastern game. A client of mine from last year points out to me, uh, comes up and says, hey, I just want to let you know when Colt Palmer has to go to this basketball game, if he wants to stay in Livingston, I've got a place for the guy. <laughs> <laughs> so let me know. So uh, uh, if Colt needs to talk to my guy, Daryl, uh, we, we, we've got him taken care of. So <laughs> if he doesn't want to stay in Bozeman. Uh, this Kyle Sample guy is something about James Madison being pro-revolution. This is a great question. It's actually question. a great question. I'm just going to read go it ahead. right now. Yeah, go for it. Considering that James Madison was pro-revolution, yeah. 
is it not very hypocritical of them to be nicknamed the Dukes? Dukes? Absolutely. Is it Dukes? Dukes like a dog? No. Well, it is. Yeah, it's like a dog. But it's like weird. It's like an identity crisis because the Dukes. Dukes Duke are a, a person of a monarchy, which James the revolution was firmly was fighting yeah. against. This is a school divided. They don't <laughs> understand each other. There's an identify, identity crisis waiting to be unearthed there. I'm just saying. Yep. It's a little... Are we sure it's the Dukes and it's not like the Dukes of Hazard? <laughs> don't know. I think they're a little above the Mason-Dixon line, so I'm going to say... Apparently. Apparently. That's a good answer. Yeah, yeah, say, yeah. But they're like, a, they're they're like a bulldog wearing a crown and a cape. I think it's like a type of dog that's like a king... Uh, yeah, you know. but, but still, way, that's a great monarchy. point. It's like, James Madison, why would there be a crown? Yeah, yeah. You guys Kyle, don't understand your guy. Excellent question. Fucking James Madison. That's an that's an existential crisis. It, yeah, James Madison, if any of you listen to the very end, answer this for us. Yes. Yeah, you, we need responses. Don't talk to us about your five ten linebacker. Talk to us about your 5'4 James Madison. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Flathead Grizz is. Essentially asking us a question about the two schools that are moving up this year or, or event, James Madison and Sam Houston State with their challenges with attendance and needing to have a certain number. I think they've kind of relaxed that, though, haven't they? Um, yeah, so just so. wishing them the best in a bunch of crap bowl games. And then Putter kind of asks this question about just talking about James Madison's offense significantly dropped when they – the only top 50 defense they played. Um, I think some of Putter's stats he's using is from a prior season, potentially. Yeah, that's not the right schedule. Yeah, I don't know what schedule he's pulling there. So, But it is kind of interesting to, to point out that um, um, James Madison's stellar numbers dropped off when they played a good team in Villanova. Uh, so something to look for. Those are the questions we got on Egress. So. Sounds good. Anything else you guys want to add? I just want to say thanks for having me back. (laughs) And thanks for having me back before Brad Reed. (laughs) (laughs) Brad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, he's going to be pissed, too. That's hilarious. Oh, poor Brad. Kyle joined QB Club. He was there. I was just like, hey, hey, Brad, join quarterback club. Yeah, show some commitment. We'll have you. <laughs> uh, shout, out that. To, shout out to Ty Timmer as well. Now quarterback club member. Hey, we got all sorts of guys during quarterback club. Absolutely. It was, I had a Ty. It was funny because uh, I think he's in Great Falls, former Grizz recruit, Bobcat legacy family. So house divided, but definitely a Bobby guy. Great text from him as we were both watching quarterback club, especially when Bobby was talking special teams. A lot of lot of awesome texts. So shout out to Ty, new quarterback club member. Yep. All right, this is a good thing to add it on. Eric Witt's question, the hypothetical I'm looking at, it, it's, oh, it's, it's a good thing to add on. All right, Grizz win this week, but get bounced next week at NDSU and life resumes and RTD continues to grow as is. Or Grizz have a guaranteed national championship game berth every year with no guarantee of winning the title game for the next five years. But once a week, every week, for the next five years – of guaranteed title game placements, CDA gets to follow Luke, Mike, and Brent and ask them one of his own hypothetical questions about daily life tasks every Monday morning for five years of Mondays. That's an easy answer. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, man. CD, I could bug the hell out of me. <laughs> Bring it on. Yeah, at this point, I'm looking for some spice in my life. You know what I mean? Like, CD 80s hypotheticals, they get me dreaming. I'll do a lot of weird stuff for, you know, to keep this podcast and my fandom going. All right. Championship so, first for the next five years? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. I'm into it, dude. Um, it's easy. So, a buddy of mine who I believe, I don't know, he, he, he stays mysterious. I don't. I don't think he listens to the pod, and if he does, he's probably not at this point. I'm trying to find it now. An Eastern fan had asked on Egros about the best restaurants in Missoula. <laughs> Did you see this? And he was trolling them so <laughs> he was bad. It was, you know, it was like if you're looking for a good home cooked meal, go to Applebee's. I mean, every it was like, chain. You can and this buddy of mine said it to me, he's like, "Oh my god, this is my kind of guy." It's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible. Um, god, famous Dave's. And, uh, yeah, oh my god. here it was. He's like, uh, so so Claw Man was like, "Can you recommend good local restaurants?" And he's like, "Got you covered." Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> If you want authentic Mexican, there's Cafe Rio and Chipotle. For Italian, head on over to Mod Pizza, Pizza or Little Caesars. <laughs> For sandwiches, there's Subway <laughs> or Jimmy John's. For breakfast food, I recommend IHOP or Denny's. <laughs> For sushi, take Reserve Street exit, turn around and drive until you see salt water. <laughs> and I think there's also like a little bit of kind of an underlying dig in there because like Chini has like no, not literally nothing. no real restaurants, right? They yeah. just have some generic ass chain restaurants. And not that some of these ones here are fine and good to eat at. We're not knocking on them, but I think it was just kind of a funny dig. So yeah, and it was funny because some people in the comments did not get the joke. So like. You don't know this. We have way better Mexican food than that. (laughs) (laughs) No shit. (laughs) That's the point. All right, guys. This game is going to be a lot of fun. Five o'clock Friday, ESPN 2. Should be a party. We good? Let's do it. Good. We know you will see you soon. No matter what, we'll be here next week to talk about the game. Go, Grizz. Fight on.